Cats and Kittens. This is Mr. Showtime, David Scott, and you are listening to and possibly watching Verbal Shenanigans. Check out all the episodes, past, present, and future. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hello, everybody. Welcome on back to the show. 462, I think we're recording for tonight. So, um, making our way to 500, Mike, which hopefully we will hit this year, God willing. Um, it seems like just yesterday we were in my old house celebrating episode 50. And we're about to approach 10 times mm. that amount, 10 times that amount this year. Yeah, uh, the good old days with toilet paper tubes and uh, talking to guests where my beer exploded and I don't move it from the microphone where you have yeah, to yeah. scream at me. Yeah, that well, was a good, good time. of professionalism. Yeah, that was a good one where I don't remember who we were talking to, but I, th- I think it was our OG big guest and all from the Hippo Tech. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike is like we're in, we're doing one of our first interviews and Mike we're you know having a beer and Mike's beer like explodes and he's holding the beer an inch and a half you know where you would put it by your mouth but into the microphone so you just hear <laughs> I'm like what are you doing like move the damn beer <laughs> it was one of those things like it was such an utter shock like it wasn't shaking up I didn't move it around so just like. My brain is like, what is going on? Let me decipher this. And then you rip me back into the real world. And like, my floor is getting covered. Get the hell in the bathroom. Yeah, fix this quickly. Um, But yeah, welcome to the show. If you are tuning in just for the first time, we are coming off our two, two episodes of the year where we had two former American gladiators on the show. Um, last week was Laser, um, Jim Starr. And the week before that was uh, uh, Lori Fetrick, who was ICE. Uh, both were really good interviews, and what was cool about them is they were both different. Um, they, they both had different perspectives. Now, we do, we've had a little competition running with it um, where it seems to be decided that the loser is going to sing the national anthem, uh, which might fall perfectly in line for Super Bowl Sunday, Mike. Um, but they have well. to, you have to sing it for real. Like, there's mm. no... Yeah. Like, you have to bring, not that you're singing into a microphone on a podcast you're singing to the audience at the super bowl the flyover is about to happen you're on the 50 yard line they said we we found out whitney houston isn't available something about passing away and uh you were the lucky guest we picked out of the seats they just, do it. they just found out in 2024 that Whitney Houston yeah. is not available. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about uh, this new commissioner, Goodell, man. He doesn't get his uh, stuff together. I mean, they're like, oh, man, Las Vegas, Whitney Houston, this is going to be great. And then once people say, hey, guys, I'm on the Wikipedia. You know she's not living anymore? <laughs> she's been dead for years now. Um, <laughs> uh, who, who's in charge of that department? What the hell? 
But yeah, so our competition sits at four to two. Mike is up. Um, but the last game will involve some more high point oper- scoring opportunities. Now, we do have one more gladiator coming on the show, um, it, it, which will be a funny full circle story when we get to it. But we're going to put that episode out probably after this week. We're going to give the audience a little break here. It's not going to be three weeks of gladiators. Um, so we, we will put that out, and then someone will be singing the national anthem uh, the week later. So um, right now it's me. You know, I've been practicing a little bit in the car, you know, because um, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to try to nail it. Like, I'm not going to phone yeah. it in. So um, I will tell you that um, I will definitely, if I am the loser, I will definitely have the lyrics in front of me. Um, <laughs> I sympathize with people who forget lyrics singing in front of 50,000 people, 80,000 people, because if I sing it right now, I'm forgetting something along the yeah. way, especially as I start bombing, like as I know it's going bad and I hear my voice cracking all over the place. There, I, I'm forgetting all of it, basically. I'm going to be like, and the rocket's red glare. That's, we're done, right? But Yeah, I'm the one that's like, all right, I, I'm prepared for this. Oh, Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, welcome to the show. Um Mike, next week we're going to bring um, one of your favorites on the show, uh, Vince McMahon, is joining us. Ooh, yeah, um, it's weird. He seems to have some some time for us. Um, uh, you know, we'll probably just have a chat about the growth of the the wrestling business. They're right? TKO, they're mauled together with UFC. Yeah, his it kind of joins in with a guest we're interviewing coming down the line. Yeah, so. You know, his impact on the wrestling world and like kind of what a good, you know, person he's been, a good CEO, how he really changed the world. Um, so I know you're excited about that. You're a big wrestling guy. We're going to bring Vince on. Yeah, we haven't seen him on TV in a bit. I'm a little depressed. I was like, where's my Vince moments? I don't. Did I get, are they having issues writing for Vince McMahon? <laughs> yeah. Um, but in reality, we. If you have seen the news today, which we re- we are recording this on January the 25th, um, a big Wall Street Journal article came out about Sir Vince McMahon over here. And um, put it this way, we have a listener that always jokes with us that we have a body fluid segment on the cast. Like every week we somehow talk about like farts or poops or, yeah. you know, something else. Um I believe us talking about Vince McMahon will check all the boxes um, for the 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 body fluid um, conversation here. Now, Mike, for our guests, I just want everybody to know we will not toy with putting three American gladiators together, but we will gladly talk about body fluids for like twenty episodes in a row. Oh yeah, that's 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 our motto. Actually, exactly verbal shenanigans, body fluids, check. You know how I was, I was, uh, you know, t- talking to you before the show. How I want to print up some new shirts, possibly. Maybe mm-hmm. that should go on the back. Like we got your body, body fluids, fluids directly on the shirts. I got yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No emblems whatsoever. Just like everybody, come on in. Yeah. Whatever you got, put it on there. Maybe our personal body fluid. So they're custom shirts. So each one has a little bit of us in it. Like, oh, okay. remember when Kiss? I think Kiss like made record covers with like a little mm-hmm. bit of their blood in the um. In the the uh, the die, maybe yeah. we could do something like that. I feel we should have a contest. We're gonna have like, we're gonna have a warehouse like a hundred shirts, uh-huh. and then people have to come in and guess 
which one has our fluids on it. Ah, like they'll all have fluids on it of some (laughs) sorts, but only one is verbal shenanigans approved and we'll get you the grand prize. What if we wear all the shirts, right? Where I'm like, Mm. you wear 50 of them, I wear 50 of them. But then we just order one shirt where we both wear and someone, some one lucky person gets the shirt that has both our fluids Mm. on it. Yeah, I like it. You know, since one of us will be wearing it, we're going to tour them from just like sniffing and go, ah, that's Burlu from the gym. I know that. Smith. Well, I was also going to say, since you're notorious for stinking the gym out, they can get they could get the real experience mm-hmm. by getting that shirt that that was on your yeah. body. Like we'll bring the get uh, the people in, have them sniff the shirt, and not ask them the question: Would you go to the gym manager and complain about this person? <laughs> so we'll get the truth if it was just a hoax. So Vince McMahon, um, it's funny because I heard there's like a big Netflix thing about him coming on, and I'm wondering if that's going to be delayed or they just got a few more episodes. But today it's been revealed that Vince McMahon is basically a controlling, maniacal, sexual deviant. Now, (laughs) that's kind of the character he he played for years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And they always say, like, sometimes these guys are so great at, like, playing these characters because it's a reflection of, you know, themselves. So my first question to you, Mike, uh, before we dive into this a little bit, were you surprised by this news at all? Uh, If there was a number under 0% shock, it's that number. Uh, I've heard plenty of... Like, he is known as a weird person to begin with. He is literally a human being that sleeps only two hours a night, works out at the gym all the time, literally has no life whatsoever other than his wrestling business until they basically had to force him out. He didn't know simple things. There's a story going around, like, they were pitching some idea, and somebody brought up a, like, uh, one of the wrestlers would have a burrito. I think it was, like, the big show. And he got mad at him, and he's like, no, we can't do it. Nobody knows what a burrito is. <laughs> and, th- and they had to look at him and explain to him a burrito. Mm. And apparently he demanded somebody go out, get a burrito, so he can examine what this burrito is all about. <laughs> now, that's a, that's a fun, charming story about Vince. That's yeah. funny, funny, clueless old man Vince. But WSJ maybe... story, less, yeah, less yeah. spice to the, it. The world... world... <laughs> Uh, Wall Street Journal story. So let, let let's go through some of the things. So some uh, apparently he had a um, I don't know what she was. Maybe you can clear this up. But like a girl that worked for him, was she head of talent or I don't know some. I don't know the full detail of what her job was. She was hired on as a like office person of the company of a higher rank, not just like a regular. You're my receptionist or something like that. She right. had some kind of actual title within the WWE. And uh, he basically enforced a sexual relationship with her, where in essence, he was the master. She was a slave mm-hmm. and she didn't have a choice in that matter. If yes. you will. And from what I understand, this involved not only actions with him, but also him, um, one of his one of his boys, one of the other guys, the Laurenitis, I think he's related to one of the Legion of Doom guys or uh, Yeah, the brother of uh Animal. Animal. Um so he was getting sexual favors from this person. Apparently Brock Lesnar is named in this. He was at, sending pictures to him and 
Apparently, mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar would like to see the like to see her pee was one of his requests. Um, so Brock is not escaping um, mm-hmm. uh, scrutiny in this. It's funny because the rumors lately were like UFC 300 doesn't have a um, doesn't have a main event yet, and there were some Brock Lesnar rumors floating around. I think that's not going to happen um, at this point. I mean, that would be kind of cool if that was like Brock versus whomever winner gets a girl to piss in the ring. Oh, yeah. The like, winner like, gets it. Not even the loser. The winner yeah. gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there is reports of Vince defecating on this woman. Um, there is one thing that I found um, funny that he apparently had sex toys and named them after wrestlers. Mm. Um who do you think was the best sex toy? I mean, I'm thinking the Big Show has to be a doozy of a of a sex. Yeah, toy. that is like a freaking silo yeah, yeah. going <laughs> in there. There is no. Yeah. It's not like a regular. Some somebody had to come into the room to help him pick it up. What about like Kamala, the Ugandan giant? Like, <laughs> and it has like the painted stars all over it. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah, Jake, Jake the Snake would be an obvious uh, name for uh, um, a sex toy. Uh, an obvious one, Bushwhackers. Oh yeah, the bush, the bush, that yeah, that could be yeah. maybe a grooming tool. Also, mm-hmm. um, you might have uh, the Big Boss Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, Doink the Clown might be an interesting um, toy. I guess he just like blew up a balloon and put it into a shape and then, you know, shoved it in certain positions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It is, um, shoved it up her TL hopper. This, 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 wow. I was deep, deep cut there for wrestling fans. Um, (laughs) you're welcome. Wrestling America. That's for you, Harry. Yeah. Or, or Brutus, the barber beefcake. There's a good one too. Mm. Um, (laughs) now, Here's a question for you that I I have, because I find wrestling to be like many things, but there is there is a a cult fanhood about it, right? Yeah, and everyone holds Vincent Grand for the different eras, whatever it was. Maybe you were an '80s guy, the Hulk Hogan era, or the, the Attitude Era, which like a lot of people our age hold as like great times, right? You know, and like the character you play, and, and it becomes this thing where uh, Vince, you know, everybody knows he's a creep, right? It's pretty mm-hmm. much it's pretty much known. But they still hold this man and like it, it's like separating the art from the artist, quote unquote. Like they still hold him as like Vince is the man, like, oh what a you know it, it, it's almost like Trump, right? No matter how much mm-hmm. bad news comes out about Trump, people don't even care. I'm convinced if his name is really like on the Epstein Island list, like if that keeps coming out, I don't think people I think his supporters will somehow brush that off and be like, nah, it's not true. That's fake. Fake news. I, I think it's a little different with Vince. With like Trump, they'll be like, oh, the fake media, blah, blah, blah. You're saying this. Or yeah. he had business relationships outside of it that's been proven. Vince, everybody be like, yeah, I could see it. But man, I, my 90s childhood, thank you so much. I, I'm yeah. willing to sacrifice a 14-year-old for that. Yeah, like in the same breath, like they'll say how terrible Vince is, but later that night they're on their Facebook algorithm and they're watching Stone Cold stun him over and over again and clips from mm-hmm. you know him getting hit with a beer truck or whatever the hell it was back in the day. Um yeah, the guy is obviously 
from from an era where he's a piece of he's a piece of garbage. That's what he's a powerful billionaire. Um, but this I, you remember when like the we discussed like the Michael Jackson documentary that came out, and I always said like okay, if ten percent of the article or the documentary is true, mm-hmm. that's more than enough to be a, a terrible person. Like exactly, you'll be like like okay, let's say. Because we've seen things like this happen with sexual allegations, right? We've seen people be, you know, uh, blackballed or or whatever you want to call it, canceled, and then it turns out it, it, it was a a woman who wasn't telling the truth or going after yeah. their money or whatever, trying to get a payday. We've seen it with like the Duke lacrosse team. I, that's one I think of. They were like villainized for like a year straight, and it turned out it was all hogwash, if you will. You know, like mm-hmm. none of it came to light and i guarantee a lot of those kids lives were ruined at the time you know maybe Mm -hmm. they you know bounce back years later but ruined you know they're enemy number one um the joe paterno stuff like if you know there's still a lot of gray area with that story and how much he knew about sandusky and whatnot that literally arguably killed the man Right, yeah. you know, it, I don't, it, I don't think it's coincidence. All this stress and all these terrible allegations come up, and this eighty-something-year-old man just says, ah, I, "I'm done." You know, like somewhere in your conscious, you're able to be like, "I'll just die now." You know, um, yeah, it's, it's hard for an eighty-year-old man to hear about kids getting just like uh, abused in a shower and be like, "It was a different time. Yeah. It was the '80s." We had to win the Pac-12. I'm sorry. Yeah, and like that's that's someone that wasn't like at least from what I remember. I'm sure someone will tell me I'm wrong, but I don't remember like accusations of like Paterno no. taking part in any of the stuff. But there was accusations that yeah, he knew some yeah. things, which is terrible. Exactly. This <laughs> this is all. Every story in it revolves around him. Okay, and there mm-hmm. are several stories in that. Never mind like how many stories. You know, some of those wrestlers have on him. Some of those girls that worked for him during those eras have on him. You know, this has to be just a piece of the full Vince McMahon story. Oh, easy. <laughs> like, and the funny thing is, that you talk about like, like the Duke Lacrosse, where it would turn out it was fake, but their lives are ruined. If this was fake for Vince, he's immediately going in, like, we got to write a storyline. Yeah. Hear me out. Yeah. The Mookie Warriors come out, and I'm like, sit right there. Not a bad name for, for two sex toys, the Kabuki Warriors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, he is a guy, like an opportunistic guy. Um, But you've seen, like, the writing on the wall with this guy for years. Like, you knew it was coming. Like, every story that comes out about him is he's like a lunatic. Like, there's never any positive news about Vince McMahon, really. Uh, about the only thing that's positive is they talk about him as a wrestling genius, and yeah, he but built did, an empire. But but didn't yeah, he as a human like a being, couple though. years ago, like he left the company, and then all of a sudden he bought it back or something like, or the majority yeah. stakeholder back or something like that. The, the synopsis is that uh, basically this story came out, but it was just like all with a non-disclosure. So he used like company money to give this lady how to quote goes supposedly three million dollars hey shut up don't talk about this it was found out since it's a publicly 
shared uh, shared company, the uh, the board directors basically said, "Okay, you're out. You're no longer in charge." <clears throat> so, like his daughter and uh, I believe Nick Khan were the two people on top that were taking over the company. Now, in that time, they were basically looking at selling the company. Hence, as you see now with TKO, TKO with UFC, and now The Rock is a part of the chairman group on that. Now, Vince owned basically 70% of stock. So he was telling everybody, since I'm the one that has to sign off because I have the most stock, I will not sign off on any television deals, any company sales, nothing unless I make the deal. So they basically were forced to bring him in to make all these deals. And then when TKO came over, then again, like there were reports saying they knew about all these sexual allegations. They probably knew the HR files, which were much, much worse. And kind of, he's like, yeah, he's a part of the company and kind of kept it in the background. In fact, I think this week was the first time I've seen him publicly as a member of WWE slash TKO when they were doing all the promotions where The Rock is on the the board and everywhere The Rock went, Vince was right next to him. Did he have that weird mustache he's been growing? Uh, he or is, is that gone? No, that pencil mustache yeah. is still there and it's still, it's like, how did you make yourself creepier? My God. Yeah, so now here's, here's a question that, do you think okay so let's say now we're this is pretty fresh like we're talking about it i think this came out a couple hours ago i don't know i saw it a couple hours ago and started reading about it do you think now now as i was saying the wrestling community has a way of yay the cream wrestling is this dark business especially for you know years ago there's a whole damn show a documentary show about it dark side of the ring i mean they're probably like yes yes more episodes (laughs) Um, you know, so th- there's this psyche where it's like, oh, well, that's a dark business. We kind of knew that. Do the wrestling fans just like move on, right? But I'm wondering if like the other shoes start to drop, like about the people around Vince McMahon who knew of this. Like, do the Triple H's of the world start to get pressed about what's going on? Hmm. Do the, I don't know, um, who was that writer? Um, he's always on. Uh, Vince Russo. Do they start getting, you know, what do you know? What do you know? Or does this just die after this? And everyone goes, Vince is a creep. And we kind of just, he just does what he does, like deflects and, you know, it goes away. Well, I think they're in less worries about needing to do interviews and stuff like that. Because again, as like TKO came on and he had a title they still were pushing him away from the product itself. So he doesn't, like, he literally would used to write all the scripts for every single Raw, every single SmackDown, NXT, down the line. They took him off of that. He has no control over wrestling hires and fires and stuff like that. So he's enough far apart where I don't think this scandal is going to affect WWE, UFC, TKO, anything like that, I think it's more individualized where it's like, okay, they saw this, they kind of pushed him out, 
you might still technically have money. It's like any other billionaire. Yeah, we might like the the owner, the former owner of Carolina Panthers. You're a raging racist. We're going to push you out, but you're still getting two billion in the deal. It's the same thing. He's he's going to get pushed out. He's still going to be a billionaire. The only thing he's going to grumble about since his whole life was wrestling, he's going to die not being able to touch his quote unquote baby, even though right. he maybe touched a couple of babies. Yeah, yeah. he probably touched everything yeah. in his life. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see if, like, how far the explosion go- does it start hitting everyone because mm. <laughs> if they're saying Brock Lesnar was involved in this, that means everyone in this era or eras before knew things that Vince was up to. Let's Let's be honest. Like, there's going to be a whole lot of like, no, I had no clue. Or, or there's going to be like these wrestlers on the fringe that used to work there that are going to start opening their mouths and telling some real interesting stories. Yeah. I mean, I don't know like how much criminal is really involved with brought. It's a, like a gray area. Cause like the story is like, they told she'll do whatever you want. And he's like, make a P video and she did and he was going to hook up with her. Yeah. I don't know how far you could really legally say yeah, that no, goes, I just, but yeah. eh, that's why at the end of the day, I mean, I was, I, mean, talking, more, tr- I was talking more like, yeah, people that knew what Vince was up to with like employees like that, like who knew about <clears throat> this relationship or other relationships it's i guess my answer is in the bottom line now that he he lo- no longer had control and it's more of a business it's going to get away from the old school wrestling ways maybe a person here or two are going to get crumbled up in this process but i don't think it's going to be like catastrophic the entire mcmahon family is ripped yeah. out of wwe or anything like that yeah like this isn't going to be the me too of the wrestling world, like where everyone starts getting, you know, plunked. Yeah. P two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It, it is weird because it's just even like my reaction, like I haven't watched wrestling in a long time. Um, but I do like on my Facebook and Instagram, get all these clips. Cause I always watch these silly clips. Cause the wrestlers are like fascinating people. Um, but it, it, it is interesting because, like, even I, when I read it, it's like, oh, well, I, you know, I figured Vince McMahon was a creep. Like, uh, like I think it's going to be like that. It's going to be a brush it off. It's, it's like the, the Trumpers, like, oh, they got arrested. Yeah, you got arrested. And yeah, we don't care. You know, we don't care, <laughs> we don't care about that. Whatever. He's our hmm. guy, you know. So Okay. Scenario for you, Scott. You have one of two choices. You have six hours to survive Chris Benoit, or you have to be in that girl's shoes if you will as vince's toy for a month so i have to pick so i have to survive chris benoit like just just like avoid he, him like you know it is coming so uh-huh. like you can run and hide and all that stuff whatever you want to do but you you understand what chris benoit is or you can be like i know i'm going to survive but how am i going to live with myself after this so you're telling me i i have the choice of either Running away from murderous psychopath, roided out, uh, depressed murderer Chris Benoit, yeah. or I have to be Vince McMahon's sex slave. I have to choose be- to- between these yeah. two things. Which one would you choose, audience? Call in with your votes now. 
I'm going to, I'm just going to avoid Chris Benoit. Like, I'm just going to get away from him. I'm just going to get in the car and drive fast and just like, yeah, he's, he's a killer, but I mean, I, I feel like there's ways of getting away from him. I'm not going to sit there and just service Vince McMahon, you know, just because I was afraid of Chris Benoit. No, I, I have to avoid Chris Benoit in that situation. Okay. Okay. That's a, some people are like, I'll take my chances with Vince. I don't know. No, no, I'm not going to service Vince McMahon's old, <laughs> disgusting balls. Like, that's not happening. Um, r- real quick before we get to our guest, um, it's funny because uh, I was on the way to a comedy show two weeks ago with uh, my buddy Joe and Ryan, and we were talking, and I, I, don't, I almost forgot about a, a story that it was kind of on these creepy lines that we're, we're talking about people peeing and stuff, and this will make sense in a second. Um, I used to live in a lake about a town over in Rockaway where we used to do the podcast. And there's there's a little clubhouse you can go to, um, mm-hmm. which you can get beers and hang out on like a Friday or Saturday night or whatever. And then like in the summer, sometime one year I worked security for the lake, lake security, which lake I would security. Dri- I would come into the CW, eleven o'clock Eastern. Yeah, I would I would drive the truck around, pull into my driveway, sit for like three hours, come back. Like the dumbest job ever. The hardest the best part of the job was you got to chase the geese every once in a while with the remote control boat called the Goosenator. You were just able to to chase the geese. <laughs> But at the was, end of was the there night, ever a scenario where the geese were so bad you had to call for backup? No, but it it's is funny. The, tough. the first shift I ever did, they were like, you know, we've been getting reports of kids doing drugs and stuff on the beach. Like, they've been finding needles and stuff. They're like, we want you to, like, kind of stay on the beach and see if there's any kids. So literally the first night, I'm hiding out in the... Um, there's like a kids play, uh, like a playground thing. I'm hiding up by two, and all of a sudden, like I hear like rattling of the cage, and sure enough, like seven kids get running through, and I, my adrenaline was pumping like through my head. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm a, I, like I felt like this must be old like police and SWAT agents, and all I did was like shine my light and be like, hurry, and they just like all ran away, and even after they ran away, I was like, like you know that adrenaline. Like, breathing heavy and like oh my god oh my god like i thought i was like on a on a you know a stakeout or something like that but mm-hmm. um at the end of the night you had to like um you had to go to where the bar was and mm-hmm. be security there cuz people had to leave and i guess like the the thing was like uh make sure everything gets locked up and and, and stuff like that there's no crazy people at the bar and there was this bartender and he was, he was a kind of a weird dude. Okay, whatever. So I moved out of that neighborhood a while ago. I've been in the neighborhood I'm in for a long time. So a couple of years ago, I get a, um, I see an article that said White Meadow Lake, which is where I used to live in Rockaway, New Jersey. Uh, White Meadow Lake man accused of putting cameras in the female stalls of the clubhouse uh, to watch them pee. And he was found guilty. So this bartender guy was setting up little cameras, apparently the size of like key fobs, in the bathroom just to watch women go pee there. And now let me tell you, the clientele was not these 
hot. You, it's <laughs> not like the movie, <laughs> Scott. No, this wasn't the red carpet. <laughs> um, this is like homely people. This ain't the red carpet. This is the danky brown rug we're talking about right here. This is the clubhouse where beers are $2.50, and that's the kind of clientele you got, kind of like a VFW crowd. So this guy was found guilty of literally filming girls pee at the clubhouse that I used to work security for. I guess I didn't do such a great job. <sighs> you didn't go undercover, man? You didn't like, <laughs> like dress up as a woman and yeah. be like, oh, I have to go tinkle. Oh, I would like to have a drink, but my bladder's so full, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then you grab the gun out of the purse, freeze, light yeah. patrol. But it, uh, yeah, like I, I read it recently because somehow that story came up when I was going to the comedy show and like women came out and like were saying they, were, they felt like violated for years afterwards and then they had issues going to the bathroom in public places. A super strange story. That's that's kind of I mean it's hard enough to go on a in a public bathroom as is you know I don't I don't even like it when like somebody's you got to use a stall and somebody's in the stall next to you you know I need that buffer yeah. space and all that's why I generally go into like the handicap one so you have that little extra space in there but um, yeah uh, I mean I mean if I found out somebody was like recording me taking BMs at work, and I'd probably be like, "Why?" <laughs> First off, <laughs> if someone's kink was to watch you take dumps, I, I mean, that has to be the freakiest. But that would make Vince McMahon look like a saint. <laughs> like if their kink was like, I don't know, I like the long-haired IT guy that poops around eleven o'clock every day. Yeah, maybe he. He got a view of my calves that we talk about. They are stellar right. calves. They're, they're, they're good and he's just like, I need more of this uh, this beautiful body of work. You know, but how? And the only thing you could think of was install a camera only in the handicap stall because that's the one to go to. So, Well, you qualify to go to the handicap stall. But I I am sickened by the thought of myself, like watching myself take, take dumps. Like, imagine, okay, imagine... You know, you, you something happens, and your punishment is to just watch video of yourself taking a dump. Would that not like turn you off completely? Like, oh, look at my fat gut hanging uh, over. Like as I sit, look at me scroll on my dumb phone. Like, look at the faces I'm making. Like, I would not want to watch myself. Never mind somebody else. I mean, I would assume that would be the quality control before he like starts recording. Like, you have to set up the camera <laughs> and know the angle, so it's like. All right, let me let me take a piss and all. Then you go back. Ah, oh, it's tilted. Let me go back and change the camera. Hold <laughs> yeah. on. Got to yeah. drink water all day to make sure you have that perfect recording. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like I, that's just like a kink or that I just can't can't get behind. No. So Brock Lesnar and the White Metal Lake security guard and Vince, I'm just not into these things. So, um. Now that'd be a game, and all you take a picture of those three together. What do they have in common? I, I, yeah, I think it would be cool. Like, what was that game where you had to find like who was the liar, like who was the actual person to who tell did the truth? The, yeah, uh, if you had to like find the person's kink and find who was actually into yeah. certain things, like a real. So, so tell me about the feeling of a woman tinkling on camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was very convincing. I can't believe it was number three. Yeah. Well, um, see, I think we covered our body fluids um, quite well there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I think it is is guest time. It is guest time. Next week, we'll jump back into the Gladiator Arena, if you will. No pun intended. But, uh, Mike, who we got on the show tonight? Uh, well, tonight we continue our long tradition of world record holders on the show. Mm-hmm. We're chatting with comedian Mr. Showtime, David Scott. Now, David holds the record for the longest stand-up comedy show by an individual. I'm not going to s- tell you right now what that length is. We're going to save that for the interview. So write down your guesses, everybody, as we bring on David Scott to the show. Let's bring on Mr. Showtime on the line. Hey, David. Hey, guys. David, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. This is this Mike. That's Scott. Welcome to Verbal Shenanigans. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, right. man. Thank you. So since I'm one of the producers of the show, I just need to know, you got a tight 30, right? We're on yeah, 30 minutes tonight. Yeah, tight 30. Yeah, need yeah. a tight 30 tonight, all right? <laughs> <laughs> hours, hours. <laughs> I, out of curiosity, I've seen you as Mr. Showtime, but I also saw a couple of them calling the Midnight Swinger. Now, what's the preferred mi- nickname right now? Oh, it's Mr. Showtime. Uh, I stopped being the Midnight Swinger back in uh, uh, 2015. Late 2014, early 2015. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So let me... I, I, I took that character as far as I could go. <laughs> I hear that. I know. So tell us a little bit. Um, we're going to obviously get into your world record and everything, but tell us about David Scott, the early days of getting into comedy. Were you like the shy kid who always wanted to get on stage were you the outspoken everybody knows you're gonna get up there tell us about yourself um my dad was a broadway performer and i was raised in a entertainment family and i started performing when i was five years old uh so it's always just been a part of my dna uh when i was 13 years old 1983 to date myself i saw steve martin uh, on uh, HBO, live at the Hollywood Amphitheater, nice. live at Universal, sorry, live at Universal. And I fell in love with the idea of being that crazy in front of 20, 30,000 people. So at 13 years old, I decided I'm going to try to be a professional stand up comedian. And three years later, at age 16, I did my first show at Catch a Rising Star. And the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> Steve, Steve Martin, I still claim, has the best book on stand-up comedy. That Born, born Standing Up. I think born the, Standing Up. I think it's the, the best book uh, from any comedian. And I've read a lot of them, but I, I think it's my favorite one, the most accurate one. Did you, um, did, you do, did you read it or did you listen to the audio book? I have not. I read it. I probably read it three times. It's one of the few books I've picked back up, and uh, but I've never listened to the audio book. Actually, listen to the no. audio because mm. Steve actually uh, does the audio, and it is it even goes deeper because you get to hear his actual voice telling these amazing stories, especially at Knott's Berry Farm when he's doing the magic. Yeah, and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah he's 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 out of all the entertainers that I've met since I was very, very young, he's the only one that I've never met that I really hope to still meet one day. Yeah, it's amazing to see him still, still like keep reinventing himself, but also still 
kind of staying to his roots too. Like the guy still plays banjo, puts out like banjo albums with like uh, you know his band and whatnot. And then yeah, now he has another show that's getting unbelievable press around it, and it's, it's pretty cool to see like him still stay creative, but also still doing what he seems to love to do. So he is one of the probably now is he one of the greatest American comedians of all time he's mm. one of the greatest comedic writers of all time sure. and i don't think people give him credit for just how he always keeps on reinventing himself and ne- he doesn't do sequels he doesn't do you know reboots i mean i, I tell you about he did the pink panther which was bad um <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but he but only murders in the building for all of a sudden for him just also to start doing television and uh and he wrote that he came up with that i, I have not that seen it yet I, i'm actually it's on my list of things to like sit down and and be it's, able to really watch it's so good it is so crazy good and just by looking at like some videos of your act i've seen you singing dancing props so i can see a lot of like kind of like a parallel with steve martin with what you do on stage yourself oh absolutely he is the number one biggest influence in everything that i do um my show is not a stand behind the microphone and tell jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it, and Steve Martin, it's wild. It's crazy. It's, it's borderline out of control, but that's what the audience sees. When I'm on stage. It is completely in control. Right. I know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm doing when I do it, but the audience just sees it's out of control. It's like, they don't know what's going to happen next. And that's a great feeling in comedy. Yeah, out of curiosity, did you ever try like a general stand-up when you started, or did you already knew I have to be a character? I think naturally that's just who I am. I'm 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 not a low-key monologist storyteller. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I always gravitate towards the for lack of a better word, the hyper type of popping. You know, I mean, I grew up my first movie I ever saw was Star Wars. Um, and then when you grow up in a sci-fi where everything is just coming at you nonstop, it is, my mind is always in that creative mode and I just never broke out of it to be like, my best friend, his name is Chris Smith. He is one of the best writers I've ever met in my entire career. But he's a storyteller. He's a monologist. I could mm. not do what he does. It is a skill mm. sure. to take the audience in a very calm, slow, methodical way and get a huge laugh at the end. I, It's a gift. I don't have that gift. <laughs> yeah. I mean, guys like that, they, they say like, you know, the ability to get the audience quiet it is almost like the payoff because they're able to get everybody focused and, and wait for that punchline. You know, it's like complete crowd control. I yeah. think that's amazing mm. because this always leads me to the question I ask of almost every artist we have on here, whether it's a comedian or musician, uh, you know, like I do stand up. I've never been like when I first started, I was a pen to, you know, type it all out guy. And I felt it always restricted me until I finally like one day, like, you know, took the uh, 
took the training wheels off and kind of like went up with a concept and kind of that I always prefer to do it that way. And now that's kind of all I do is I got an idea. I have a punchline. Let's see what happens. And then it started to get tighter and tighter for me. I'm curious what is with your performances, with what you do, you have a lot of things going on. What, how do you go about writing or, or creating new material? Are you a write it out kind of guy or do you try things on stage? What is your, your, your favorite technique, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, my show, as crazy as it is, is very scripted out because there are cues, music cues, um, sound cues that go with a lot of the bits that I do. So everything right. is pretty scripted mm. out. What I do, I, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, I've been in Florida for uh, five of the past six weeks uh starting in um november in sarasota and um i had this idea of the dewey decimal system mm. it just popped into my head sure. um I, I i i thought there's got there's something about that because i was reflecting on what kids today and even adults you know have phones and everything is searchable on google and I had this idea as I go, and these people have no idea the nightmare that was the Dewey Decimal System. Oh, yeah. And I actually had the idea in my head. I did not know where the punchline was going to go. But one night on stage, I just started riffing. And I said, how does AB117.36 mean geography? It makes no sense. And then I stop and I look at somebody, I go, don't tell me to use a card catalog system. Screw the card catalog. And it just sort of evolved from that idea. So even though my show is scripted, right. mm -hmm. when I have an idea, I need to be on stage and kind of feel it out. Because as you know, when you write something on a piece of paper, yeah, it could be funny. It could be amusing, but you've got to do it in front of a live audience to know 100%. if they are getting the same feeling. You can't do that at like an open mic. You can't do that at a coffee shop. You got to do that in a, a, a room of people that pay. And you can't do it just once. You got to do it like five or six times. Yeah, you got to find if it has mm -hmm. any legs, you know. Exactly. The first time, yeah. most likely, you'll get a, you know, maybe something. Oh, yeah. Maybe you get something. And then you're like, that little something is enough to be like, I can't wait to try this one more time, you know, right. try one more or there's something here. And I feel like you're right. Right about the fourth, fifth time you're like, either let's throw this away or this. Now let's start to mold this, this clay right. pot, you know, like uh, <laughs> let's start to peel exactly. this one out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the audience is always going to dictate. Now I will, this is going to sound totally egotistical and it probably should, because I think most comics have a pretty big ego. If I know something's funny, if I just feel it, you know, if you know this is good, the but the audience isn't getting it yet, but you know it's good, yeah. I will keep on, I will re rework it until I get it to the audience. Because there are times I've written bits and I did the first time and nothing. And I'm like going, this is a good joke. This, yeah. this is a good joke. And I will work it and work it until the audience sees what I have in my head and then they I'm able to convey it visualize it because I'm a visual performer 
right. and I'm able to, so they can see mm. what I see in my head. And that's a great feeling when you finally crack that code and you get it to work. It, it's funny you're saying that because that, that's like something I'm trying to work on. Cause I'll, I'll go back and like, you know, even in my phone notes or on my hard drive and find an old performance where I try, I'm like, why did I abandon that? Like, wh why did I, why did I get rid of that? That, that was funny. And I just got rid of it because maybe one night it didn't do well, or I just didn't have the courage to keep doing it. I just went with what worked, you know, and then somewhere along the line, it just got, you know, pushed aside. Like, and I, sometimes I like finding the old stuff. I'm like, wow, like I should bring this back or at least work it or, and sometimes it was funny and it did work and, and there's no rhyme or reason I got rid of it. Like, it's just interesting. Yeah. You, I, I've got joke books from 1997. And I don't throw them away because I'll just go through them and I'll go, well, oh, that that's pretty interesting because I'll, I'll, you know, we write so much that sometimes we forget what we write and you just go through. It's like, oh, that's interesting. That, huh, let's, let's revisit that. And we, as we get older, we start seeing things differently. We start performing differently. We start, you know, having maybe a more mature mindset. And yeah. then all of a sudden, a joke. Sometimes we're too young and immature to know how good a joke is. Yeah. You got to let it sit for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Ferment. I, I agree. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I just feel bad because me and Scott once did an open mic in a library. And if we just thought of that Dewey Decis Decimal System oh, joke, we would have killed. We would We've been pioneers. I mean, that's <laughs> one of the, the great open mics of we, all time. We could have been on the library circuit. You know, there's a lot of libraries in this. They'll be country. like, who are these guys? Wait a minute. The three the three o'clock library circuit, it's big. It's, it's huge. Big. It's, it's right after story time with the toddlers. Yeah. Yep. Right. Or the yeah. hunkamania yeah. that we did at the male strip club. That was wonderful. <laughs> that was, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that one again. Yeah. No. Well, so, David, I mean, it, it's always great to talk to comedians about, you know, learn their craft and everything. But I think we got to go into one of the meat items of why we brought you onto the show. Um, like a lot of headliners, they can go an hour, couple hours, something like that. Um, why did you tell our audience the longest you ever been on stage for a set of curiosity? Uh, the longest I've ever been on stage is 40 hours and eight minutes. And it is a Guinness world record. I've held that record for 10 and a half years. No one has broken it. And it was without a doubt, the most satisfying, most amazing thing I've ever done in comedy. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in comedy. And if someone breaks my record, I will be the first one to call them and congratulate them because I will not try to reclaim that record. <laughs> it was so physically. It, I don't think people will ever understand. I'm, and again, I'm the only one that knows how this feels because no one else has ever done it before. 40 hours. It was physically so strenuous on my body to be standing and performing for that long that at one point I'm, I know for a fact I had an out of body experience because it's, it, the whole thing was filmed. I, I have all 40 hours and eight wow. minutes yeah. and at the 26 hour mark on film, I'm talking, but I'm not there. I, my, my mind 
is elsewhere. I can see, yeah, yeah. I can see myself going. I went somewhere <laughs> for like fifteen <laughs> minutes. I'm just gone. I'm just gone. And uh, it was, it was surreal. It was amazing. It was exhilarating when I broke the record. I actually got an, an email from Guinness um, in November. Um, I was in 2019, right before COVID. They released a book called Awesome Entertainers. And I'm chapter two. And they never told me. I'm just, I, all of a sudden nice. I go, oh, there, that's me. Nice. It's, a, it's, it's a bunch <laughs> of pictures. It's a whole bunch of stuff. It's amazing. I was like, wow, this is awesome. I never, never knew about it. They didn't tell me. Yeah. But last November, uh, 2023, I get an email saying that I'm featuring this year's actual Guinness World Record book. And I think because they realized that it was over 10 years and they find, and they featured me, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool that mm. they featured me. They sent me, you know, because I, I got a great plaque. I got a great certificate. Um, it's an honor that they may mention. They said, hey, you're featured in the 2024 Guinness Book. And I'm like, sweet. Can't wait to see it. Um, now, you're going to have to back back up for us on the yeah. on the setup of this and the idea of this. And oh. also... Who the hell is letting you on stage for that long? Like what? what yeah. Like I'm sorry, you're a good comic, but if I was like, you know, I'm gonna book you. For, I want to do 40 hours or whatever it is. Everyone's gonna be like, yeah, okay, what the hell is this? So give us the the insight into what the hell yeah. the genesis of this. I was on stage at the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it was Late Show Friday. And the Late Show Friday was sponsored by an overnight radio uh, DJ. And he would start the Late Show Friday start. This was this was back when late shows were actually like legit late show. They it didn't start until like after 10 o'clock. Right. Yeah. Um, and you weren't done until midnight. I mean, we're, we're talking like an old school late show. And they got a late show crowd. And uh, you know what late show crowds are. They're a little bit rowdy, especially on Friday. They're a little, yeah, a little rowdy, drunk, a little drunk, little yeah. Little, yeah. So, so it's like herding cats. And uh, great MC, great feature. And I go on stage, um, and I'm just going. The owner, Michael Alfano, is like, "Have fun with the man. You got the rate. The radio show is here." And after the, each comic, the radio show would interview the comic that was just on. So I'm on stage, and the feature is being interviewed by the radio host in the lobby. Um, so I'm on stage. I'm just going and going and going. The crowd is it, the crowd was fire. They were electric. They were one of those rare Friday late show crowds that was just like better than early show Friday, which is yeah, rare. Fun, fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. great crowd. And I kept on going. I did like an hour and forty five. And Michael's like, keep them here long because they're drinking. Michael's like, just <laughs> keep them here longer. Yep. Our closes at two o'clock. The longer they're here, the longer they drink. So Michael's yeah, we're, like, we're yeah, making yeah. money. We're making money. Yeah, exactly. Making money. Yep. So I get off stage after doing my show, and I got a big show, big finale, big whole musical finale thing that I do. And I get off stage, sell my merchandise, and there's the the radio host like going, "Hey, come on over, we want to talk to, want to talk to you." So I sit down, and it's the host, and he's there live, but his producer is actually in the at the station, and he goes, "Wow, I've never seen that before. An hour? How long were you on stage?" And I go, "I think about an hour forty-five." I go, "Wow, that is a crazy." long time to be on stage what's the longest you've been on stage for and i go i think two a little over two hours at that point he goes i wonder if there's a guinness world record for that one thing i want to and his producer goes hey check guinness see if there's a guinness world record and there was it was 30 um 
36 hours something. Huh. And um, hmm. and the DJ goes, that's a long time. I go, yeah, I bet I could do that. He goes, you think you can do 36 hours? I go, yeah, I think with enough, enough preparation, I can do 36 hours. Well, this was before TikTok. This was before Instagram. Mm. Um, that clip got picked up um, by a couple of other stations, a couple of the radio stations. Then my agent heard about it. And all of a sudden, uh, I started my agent started fielding phone calls saying, hey, your guy says he wants to try to break the Guinness World Record. I never said that. I never said I was trying to break a record. Yeah. I said, I think I could do 36 hours. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my agent like going, hey, I got like a bunch of casinos that want to do this. And they were casinos, which is the key. Right. Because casinos mm -hmm. are open 24-7. They've got yeah. constant traffic. They got big theaters, all this great stuff. So I was scheduled to be part of this comedy festival called Comedy 10K, where I was the host of this event. It was a... It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event. Well, they caught wind of it. And they go, how about we bring you in and you do Monday, Tuesday, trying to set this Guinness World Record and the con and then the festival start with you and then the actual comedy contest will start on Wednesday. What do you think? And I was like, and I had about little over six months before it was starting. Oh, and I go, okay, so we... um. We contacted Guinness, which was the smartest thing we ever did, because Guinness does not authorize any record until they sign off on it. Right. Yeah. So we've we, heard enough stories about yeah, that. Right. Yeah. People get some some people have been screwed and they broke a record and they go, no, you didn't. It wasn't well, it wasn't legitimate until you mm -hmm. contact Guinness. So I contacted I, Guinness. I have an interesting story about that when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So I contacted Guinness. I, I assembled a team and they sent me a book. It had to be two and a half, three inches thick of rules that I had to follow. And realized very quickly, it, all the rules uh, had to be a handheld microphone, had to hold it the whole time. Couldn't it be in the mic stand, couldn't it be a headset, couldn't it be lapel, had to hold the microphone. Wow. Um, each joke had to be at least a minute long. Oh, you couldn't God. just do a bunch of. 10 second one lighters. Each joke had to be a so, minute long. So no wow. crowd work or anything? Like it had to be. You could do crowd work as long as it was at least a minute long. And <laughs> there, it was more than just talking. You could like, hey, where are you from? What's your name? You can't do that. Oh my you got you, you to have a bit to it. Um, you got wow. a 30 second break between each joke. So if you did a joke for one minute, you could then take a drink of water or catch your breath for 30 seconds before you do the next <laughs> bit. Uh, nowhere the whole thing had to be filmed it had to be filmed it had to be streamed and this was back in uh 2003 when streaming was just at its infancy yeah we had to get we had to go to japan uh and wow. get a camera that would record 45 hours non-stop because it would have to be filmed and recorded everything was back then there was nothing that could record 40 hours but there was a camera yeah. in japan so we got we uh we got that learned how to stream set it all up and if everybody listening and watching if you're paying attention the one thing that was not in the rule was it had to be funny <laughs> at no point well, was it about being funny it's yeah. it, it still isn't about being funny it was about endurance and wow. we learned, me and my team learned very early that 
I don't have to kill. I don't, I don't have to crush. I don't have to be up there mm. just like laugh, laugh. I could tell a joke as long as it is set up like a classic joke, mm. you know, premise, set up, punchline. As long as it's a minute long, it doesn't have to be funny. So we, my team and I wrote a 12-hour set. And they took parts. They took all of my show. My other, my team were comedians. We took parts of their show. I called up some comic friends of mine, saying, "Hey, I'm doing this. Can I use some of your material?" They're like, "Yeah, absolutely." Because I got such great friends, you know. There was, and I would give credit. Hey, this is joke. Was this joke's by Dale Jones? This joke's by Chris Smith. This joke's by Dwayne Clark. You know, you know. And uh, oh my god, we did, we did, mm. we did, and we could repeat a joke every four hours. That was, that was my next question. Can you, mm, is yeah. it all new or are you? Uh, yeah. So we wrote a 12 hour script that I just read, um, not off a teleprompter, but I have a, like off camera where you could not see it. There was like yeah. the old Johnny Carson, you know, cards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that for 40 hours and eight minutes. No, no. How how are you prepping for this? Like, as far as perform, like, you're not going to work out at a, at a club for for twelve hours. Are you doing an hour at well, a time at night, or like, how are you getting a, ready for this? As a comedian, as a road comic, we got a lot of time traveling, especially yeah. driving. Yeah. So I and I was still doing regular shows. I, it wasn't like I retired and just did this. I was still performing. So sure. As yeah. I'm driving. You know, sometimes a drive is eight hours. Sometimes it's 10 hours. It's nonstop. You know, you got to be awake. So during that time, no, no radio, no, back then it was a uh, satellite radio, turned everything off, just had the, had all the cards on little flashcards. I'm just reading them to myself and I'm, I'm just saying them. So I, I know the order that I'm going to be doing everything. And um, that's how, that's how I prepared for it. I hired a dietitian. To find out what is the best things to eat and drink over 40 hours so that I don't cramp up, I don't get dehydrated, I don't have any sort of like gastral distress yeah, that might yeah, cause yeah. me to have to like run yeah. to the bathroom. And I, it was Triscuits and water for 40 hours and eight minutes. That's all I had. Oh my so, God. It's really unbelievable. How do you yeah. train your voice out of curiosity? Because I'm I'm guessing you, your voice had to go at some point in this 40-hour spiel. Um, that was actually not a, a concern because I'm not like a Sam Kinison screaming type of comic. So you can just talk. Um, and because I really it, the audience was irrelevant, I'm in the microphone. The microphone's connected to the camera. As long as you can hear me on the stream, because Guinness was watching. Um, they could hear me. The audience and the microphone can be adjusted up or down. So the the what I was unprepared for, like I said, was the physical toll. My left foot swelled up to about not double size, but bit, like a third of the size because I was standing for so long that my foot that swelled. So mm. I had a hard time. I could barely stand when it was done. I could. I, it was it was so painful, and I couldn't sit down. Because every time I sat down, my body wanted to shut down and fall asleep. So I had to keep myself up because I sat down. I was like, yeah, oh, we're resting. Yeah. Like, no, we're not resting. We're right back up. So that I was unprepared for. There was no way to train for that. So were there any times during the set where you were like, oh, my God, I'm I, like, 
almost panicking because you you couldn't remember, and there had to be that what what you said like every minute there had to be a joke. Like was it hour twenty, you know, seven? You were like, uh, you, oh no, oh no, oh no! Like you felt like you were fun, and, and you're gonna lose that record right there. Like was there any yeah. moments like that during the set? Yeah, you got a for every hour you performed, you got a five minute break. And during right after the 26th hour where I kind of went out of body, my team um, came on stage and they said, we're taking a break, we're taking a break. And I was like, oh, okay. And they hurried me off the stage and I collapsed in the green room. And my best friend, Dwayne, and it was now the next morning. I'd made it through the night. And it's now the next morning. The sun is legitimately just coming up. And he opens up, takes me out of the green room. We got like less than five minutes. He takes me outside and I see the sun for the very first time in like a day. And he looks at me, he goes, it's you against the clock. It's you against the clock. Forget about the jokes, forget about the audience. It's you against the clock. And that was the thing that motivated me to keep me going for the next uh, 14 hours and eight minutes. Because without that advice, I probably would have quit. Because I was this close, I was so close to quitting. Mm. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the the audience on that. For well, I understand they needed you need to have at least ten people in the audience at all yeah. times. So are there like people making sure, like at yeah. eleven, no, you can't go to the bathroom, we can't screw this up, or anything like that? Oh yeah, my team, we had to have a notary on site, so the people that were in the audience had to like sign a piece of paper that had to be notarized. Another rule that Guinness had. Um, so I had three team members, uh, Nicole, Chris, and Dwayne. Dwayne was my tech guy. He was making sure that the stream was working and the camera was always working. Chris was my writer. He would actually send me fresh jokes throughout the show. Like, here, here, you need something. You know, he, yeah, if he thought I was getting off script. And oh, wow. Nicole, her job was to make sure there was always 10 people in the audience and to get them to sign. <laughs> and when we were done, when we set the record, um, there were over 500 people in the theater watching, and there was like 6,000 people around the world watching. We had people from Germany, Brazil, Australia um, were watching. And when I set the record, it was pretty, it was pretty cool because people online are like, you know, clapping and stuff like that and yeah. like showing like little clapping signs and the, and the <laughs> audience went nuts when I set the record because for a lot of people they've never seen a, a Guinness World Record set before sure and and for me having never set one I was just like numb I didn't even know I set the record until all of a sudden confetti started coming at me because <laughs> I didn't know the record's been set I yeah. had no idea and, I'll, and all I'm thinking and this is actually on the video all I'm thinking is that I've only got 30 seconds to celebrate. I've got to get the next joke out. <laughs> because this, the the eight minutes was not supposed to happen. It was supposed to be three hours, but there was eight minutes afterwards. And I'm still doing jokes. I'm still like, we, you know, yeah. we, we can't just stop. And then I did eight minutes. thinking to myself that anybody can do 40 hours. It's that extra eight oh, yeah, minutes. Yeah, right. That's the commitment. <laughs> What I was really hoping was the guy who set the record at 36 hours was throwing paper down to distract you to keep his record. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sabotage. Yeah. 
<laughs> did did you have a um <laughs> did you have a closer plan like for the end of yeah. this or, like so so what what was that like what what did you what did you say the, the closer was it's still part of my show it's a centerpiece in my show it's in the middle of my show now um is what i call the world's most dangerous in comedy um where i sing i imitate michael mcdonald i do it by shoving marshmallows in my mouth and I knew that I was going to close with that. <laughs> and, yep. I, so, I just laugh at you building a set list and being like, all right, this one's going to kill 40 hours from now. You know, <laughs> I don't know if the bit got the standing ovation or the whole thing, but I say the bit got the standing ovation. Now, now I'm curious. You, you, you say you went out of body and, and, and watched the film and, and over, over time. Was there stuff that you, you did on stage that, you know, afterwards that you were like, wow, that's pretty good and brought into your act after or or was it all just like, uh, I have no clue what happened. <laughs> I that That's true. I, I I have I remember walking on stage and the very first joke I told at six o'clock in the morning bombed the very first joke. bombed. Yes. Way to start the day. Yep. <laughs> and I made a joke about it bombing. Oh, this is going to be a long night. Yeah. Um, um, and then I don't remember anything until my friend taking me outside to see the sun, telling me it's you against the clock. Wow. And then I remember the confetti. <laughs> I remember out of 40 hours and eight minutes, I physically can recall eight minutes of it. You know, people are, actually, going, people are going to Peru for these ayahuasca journeys and whatnot. They don't have to go anywhere. Just, nope. just do, <laughs> yeah, do stand-up for 40 hours. Yeah, yeah I, I was watching. I, I re-watched the video. Um, it's, a hard, it's hard to watch, by the way. It's hard to watch. Sure. Because I realized that, you know, I'm not performing for anybody. I'm performing for a camera. It was like, it was like doing a COVID show before there was COVID shows. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and literally nothing that I did that night or for that 40 hours and eight minutes is in my show now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, since you, your whole work is doing stand-up comedy after you do this record, were you ever fearful? Like, all right, I do not want to get on stage for like another two months. This is over. Never again. Or, did anything I, come through your head where you're like, no, I'm I'm book solid? I was on stage 14 hours later hosting the Comedy 10K. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I did I did the show. I slept. I felt great waking up. And then I had to host the first night of the Comedy 10K, which <laughs> which is the reason. And of course, at that point, people had known that I broke the record. So Good Morning America was there. Um, the Today Show was there. Um, Sirius XM had a thing called Raw Dog Comedy. They were they were there, so okay. we were getting some press about it because word got out that I had set the record. So we so basically, I elevated this comedy 10K by breaking by setting the record. So yeah, I was back on stage. Um, I never, except for my left foot, which the swelling went down as soon as I took my shoes off and laid down. It went down. I felt relatively fine and normal yeah wow. the next night just hosting and so many people were there because of the record they wanted to meet me and the comics were fantastic 
um, Dave Poulier was the special guest comedian and he came up and said some nice things. So it was, a uh, yeah, I, I had no problem getting back on stage. That was never, I was, I never even thought about it. like, there's no way I'll be able to get back on stage. Yeah. Um, wow. I just did it. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I, I told you I had a story to, to tell you before, um, during, I think it was during COVID or a little bit after COVID, uh, a couple comic friends of mine tried to do a, um, I believe it was they were going to try to go for a week. It was a week long yeah. comedy radio show, but they were yeah the guys that oh yeah the radio show okay. Um, but it was kind of like um, so they like asked me to come on. And it was interesting because you'd come on and you'd do a set and then you'd sit in the panel for like a half hour and then you'd leave and then someone else would come on and do a set and they they had like the numbers broken down to where they would break like the longest. Uh, continuous running show and you could pop in at different times but uh, something along the lines like what you were saying like they were they thought they had the record and whatnot but there was like certain rules by Guinness that weren't approved and and mm -hmm. they ended up not getting right and I think they did like it was something like seven days worth of radio or something like that and then didn't end up getting um the record but it, it, it was pretty interesting it was pretty cool though because you'd pop on it like i'd wake up and go take the dog out and go see if they were still streaming and they, they were still going at all times mm -hmm. and they had comics from all over the place just joining the show it was, it was pretty cool but yeah yeah uh, no guinness, guinness record for them so yeah. yeah guinness has a lot of rules they just don't want anybody someone claimed to have broken my record um an israeli uh comic who lived in israel claimed that he broke my record he had a bunch of press done and guinness is like going you didn't break the record and he kind of put up a stink about it. He, he tried he tried to make, he made a stink about it he, he he was calling me out i never met the guy i have no idea who he was but he was calling me out saying that i was a fraud and this and that and i just said just show me any of the video and it turns out he was a scammer he, he never even did any of it he was just trying to just trying to scam his way in and i'm like he wasn't even a wow. comedian. He just said, "I'm just, uh, I'm gonna pretend to break." He got a bunch of fake press. It was, uh, it was like one of those things where if you uh, buy enough ad space, you can make it seem like you actually did something. Yeah. And, it and then it, and then it turns out he was found to be a fraud. And surprise, surprise, you can't find the guy anywhere now. Uh, yeah, so. after the worst did... thing that ever happened in Israel, I yeah. swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after you did that, did did you get any pressure from places like? you're now the guy like can you do more do you want to do like were they trying to get you like can you break the record or, oh yeah or trying to get you to do similar things after uh -huh. that no. i i um <laughs> i was approached many times i had a bunch of comics i only met one of them but it was out of atlanta a place called laughing skull oh, okay and, i've been there a couple yeah, times it, it's one of those um andy coffin kind of like counterculture comedy club it's kind of like not the typical and um, they wanted to set, the comedy store had set the longest stand up comedy show ever, gotcha. where it wasn't one comic, it was just like a bunch of comics, like oh, 20, 40, 50 comics, each doing like 10, 12 minutes. And they were going to do like five days or three days or whatever of just nonstop comedy. Well, the comedy store set it at like, I think they did 24 hours. They didn't even break my record. Right. They just did a long-standing comedy show. But it, 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 mm. 
So these folks on Laughing Skulls say, we're going to do seven days. And they did a seven-day comedy show. Jeez. Yeah. And they reached out to me. And they said, do you want to be a part of it? I'm like, absolutely, I want to be a part of this. I don't do 40 hours. I just to do 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Unfortunately, we could not logistically because I was I was in Vegas. They were in Atlanta. I, I There was no way to make it work. But that was the only time where I've been approached. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. But I've had other people try to approach me about, hey, do you want to try to do 41 hours? Do you want to try to do uh, this record? Do you want do you like um I think he passed away last year, uh comedian by the name of Geechee guy. Um he held the record for the the, the most number of jokes told in 60 minutes. Um just boom, 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 yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah, and be, um I would be the complete opposite of that. I'd be the <laughs> least the least amount of jokes told in 60 minutes. Yeah, I mean so um so they they want uh and that was in Las Vegas because that's where he had a resident he was playing playing in Vegas. He's like, hey do you want to try to break that record? I'm like no and I got no desire. It's this oh, yeah. I mean there yeah. there was nothing about it. It's like oh how many records can I there it was it, it got to was like how many records in Guinness could I get that was comedy related? And again, my disillusionment was that it's not about the performance. It's not it, telling the fastest number of jokes in 60 seconds. There's nothing humorous about it. There's no, you're not waiting for laughing. You're just going boom, boom, boom. You know, doing the longest stand up comedy show, there's not, it's not about humor, it's just about duration. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's like, hey, you know, do you want to do? I, I, I was the, the craziest one. This is actually true. The craziest one I was approached with was um, longest stand-up comedy show on a Ferris wheel, a nonstop Ferris wheel, <laughs> going around and around. This, uh, this uh, big. Where was it? Wait, who are you telling mm-hmm. the jokes to? The other yeah, day? It, like, it, do they have to keep the audience was, in the cabinets next awesome. to you? <laughs> I was going to have a wireless mic and f- with a big sound system. That is just going to have a bunch of speakers. Oh god! It was at um, it was, it was a Kansas State. It was Kansas. I think it was the Kansas State Fair that they approached my agent and I go on. We're going to put him on Ferris wheel for twenty four hours. Oh my god! And oh, he's going to oh. set. He's going to set two records. Uh, longest nonstop car, uh, Ferris uh, Ferris wheel ride, and then longest stand up comedy performance while on a Ferris wheel. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you, you know, if if I go to a gig or if I'm running a show and a TV is on, I get really upset. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, never mind yeah. being on a Ferris wheel. Be like, you guys paying attention out there? Like, there, yeah. there's no. Right. Well, that's going to be funny or fun at all. Well, David, hear me out. Log flume comedy. Hear yeah, me yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got gold mine written all over it. The, exactly. lazy, the lazy river. You just float with the audience the entire time. Yeah. Every comic knows that performing outside is the worst. Mm-hmm. So now perform outside on a Ferris wheel with the microphone and no one's paying attention yeah. to you. Yeah. Hey guys, I've been married for. <laughs> and then you come back around. Am I right? You, you know. Can you imagine the people pissed off that they can't ride the Ferris wheel for hours? Tell that six-year-old to shut up and stop crying. I'm golden up here. Okay. Someone get me funnel cake. I'm hungry. It's weird. The jokes only hit at the bottom of the Ferris. <laughs> <laughs> 
David. We've had a real fun time talking to you. You have added to the list of world record yes, holders have. on the show. We've had the world's largest sportswoman. We've had the fastest backwards mile runner. Uh, we've had the guy who jumped the highest without a parachute. Uh, my uh, miss, Mike. I think we. Uh, I I think we had the place with the largest collection of penises on. On yep. the air too, yep. which was the the museum in Iceland. Oh, and the uh, the initial lawnmower across the country. You know, so you joined that exclusive group, David. So. That's very cool. I think yeah. the guy didn't the guy that set the fastest mile running backwards. Does he have like like eight or nine records at this point? Probably. He seemed like Probably. one of those guys who was into like setting Guinness yeah, records. Like, yeah, like the the longest uh, like holding an egg in a spoon. The, the longest, like he might Yoder, something Yoder, his name is. Yeah, yeah, I, David I Yoder. I, I've I heard think. of that guy. Yeah, yeah. So that's very cool. But you're on the list. You no, know, we're we're building a plaque right now. We'll send you a picture <laughs> when we get it. Uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming on. I can tell you love your comedy. You love doing what you're doing. We always appreciate hearing these stories and all. If people want to find out where you're touring, where are you up to, where are the best places to go, David? Yeah, um, it's MrShowtime.com. That has all my tour dates on it. Um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, it's at It's Mr. Showtime. And then uh, Instagram, at It's Mr. Showtime, David Scott. So you can find me there. But check me out. I'm I'm quite amusing on the old social medias. <laughs> And a uh, final question for me, is it a joke or is this real what you put up on your social media that you were an underoos model? That's true. Wow. That's true. Wow. I was a former underoos undermer model. I was also fired from being a for an under. The reason I'm former is I was fired from the gig. Um, We've been I asking you the wrong questions. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, let's still, let's still leave the first part of the interview. Let's start <laughs> now. No. Of, I did a bunch of print ads. Which was cool, and then they wanted to do an actual. What, what were you rocking, Spider Man or? No, I was GI Joe. Ah, oh, yeah. you're the tough um, kid. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> and um, they wanted us to do a commercial, and I was 11 years old, and at 11 <laughs> years old, I'm not sure what kind of language I'm allowed to say on this show. Whatever you want, buddy. Yeah. At 11 years old, I knew it was the dumbest fucking idea I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and. I actually found the commercial. I actually found the commercial I was fired oh, from. God, I want to see this. And, and you can see just how much I hated being there <laughs> on my face. And they they had me in the front row for the first, and then I was not liking it. So they moved me to the back row, and then they recast me and got some other kid to do my line. <laughs> <laughs> And that comedian yes. was Jim Carrey. Yes. And just yes. like that, I was a former underoos underwear model. Now, you, you, you know, done a lot of great things in career. You ever think about getting back into that? Yeah. You know, maybe being the underoos <laughs> model, you know, going forward? You know, I'm, I'm going to assume that there is a kinky niche in OnlyFans. Oh, 100%. 100 Making like... Yeah, 112 bucks a month doing yeah. that, you know. You don't have to be driving to these gigs anymore, David. Yeah. Do, you know, I'd almost do it for free. I don't need the money. I, I'm, I'm going to do it for the art. I'm doing it for the art. Hey, Mr. Showtime's new documentary, Exposing Underoos, you know. Like, 
<laughs> the vice is gonna go the dark side of underwear yeah, the dark side of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. I love talking to comedians because you guys all just you just get it. So uh thank thank you so much and good luck with uh what you got going on. Thank you. This was a blast. Thanks for having me on, guys. I love this. All right, Mr. Showtime. Um Mike, the only like as he was talking, like it definitely inspired me to think about looking into what the record for the longest continuous podcast would be, and uh, if that is a possibility. Now, let me ask you, if we were to try to do that, right, and set that up in some way, which we did, you know, we talked about a little bit after we were done with the interview, what what hour marker would you realistically be comfortable shooting for? Like, if you found out the record was 36 hours, or you found out the record was... 250 hours something you know something like that like what would you think is an obtainable goal that is possible i think no further than 40 i would say like a day and a half okay i can go back to my old it days of overnights coffee red bull just have like piles of notes ready uh, if the rules allow where we can continuously interview people while we're doing it, that's going to mm-hmm. keep me up. But if you're talking about multiple, multiple days of non-sleep and just continuously doing the show, and it's like you like you two are the hosts, you two specifically have to be on the show for the entire time, Sure, I don't think I could do more than 40. I was going to agree with you. I was going to say the two-day mark would be the one thing I'd be willing to try. The 48 hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> start at midnight, go to the two midnights away, like something like that. But yeah, no more, no more than that. So I don't know exactly what the record is, but it is something I would be interested in seeing um, what mm. is out there. But this guy's story was was way more unbelievable than I than I thought it was like as far as how many rules there were like a joke every minute or whatever it was like I can't imagine having that mental focus like I would I would suggest that the pot doing a podcast for as long as he did comedy would be easier because you'd be able to talk but remembering like material for yeah. that long and trying to make people laugh or even just what a joke is by like hour 18 you know like what do you I don't, how do you even do that yeah with the podcast at least like you can ad lib more and you can rely on somebody else talking like I said one of the things in order for me to want to break the record would have to be we're allowed to do like our forum which is ads interviews into it where you can actually take a break but I couldn't I fathom? I am sure at some points they had like, all right, if I if I put the red light on, this is a reminder you're coming up on your minute. If I put the yellow light on, you're slipping on your microphone and stuff like that. So it's yeah. It, if, if I would just if I was him, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going back to underoo modeling. That's it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I'm much older than when I started the career, but I feel like it would be an amazing comeback. Also, another great punishment for some games we play: you have to model under roofs and go get professional photos taken in them. That's that's a, that's a good one. That'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm working on my losing some weight and some getting some mass, so maybe I can turn it into like a pretty 
swole kind of photo, if you will. Yeah. Think about those underoos and those calves. Yeah. Like, oof. You know, it'd be great. But just real quick before we keep going, I, I just looked up a couple records that people consider very beatable. I'm just curious your thoughts on these. Um, most CDs balanced on one finger, 50. Do you think you have any chance at that? I mean, hearing it out loud, it sounds feasible. 50, I mean, how much would 50 weigh? I mean, that's like the old, like, you know, used to get, like, the DVDs that you would burn. Yeah. CDs. Like, um, so you, may would, not, I, you may not poke your finger through the holes of any of them. Finger must be flat against the CD. That's why Vince McMahon couldn't get that world record. Yes. Uh, most T-shirts put on in one minute is 31. You can use any size, short or long sleeve, and you may enlist a friend to help you put them down. We can do this one, dude. That seems so easy if you can get a friend to do it. Like, if it was just me, like... One, two, three. I don't think I could do it, but like if you're saying I'm just going like this and you just hammering down t-shirts on me, yeah, I, I think that's totally but that's still pretty quick. That's one shirt every two seconds, less than that. Mm -hmm. you know? no. Most jello eaten with chopsticks in one minute, 3.2 ounces. I'm not that great with chopsticks. <laughs> I, I am, I am respectable as in i could actually like go to a restaurant and eat my sushi with it but like to be like oh this is second hand i don't need a fork now no. yeah most sticky notes on the face in one minute 58 must use sticky notes measuring a minimum of 73 millimeters and each side must be placed there by the individual themselves and must remain attached for a minimum of 10 seconds sounds feasible i know it's i know i think some of these we should try to break on the show on our own yeah, like not it. even worry about Guinness. Just do it. You just do it and just see if we have a chance and send it to them and see what we'd have to do different. Um, fastest time to place 24 cans in the fridge, 9.76 seconds. Cans must be intact and unopened, must use a commercially available refrigerator, and it must begin with the door closed. If any cans fall over, um, the attempt is deemed invalid. All right, Regardless if I could do it or not, let me just talk to uh, our people at Guinness for a minute. Uh, mm -hmm. You're just really accepting everything humanly possible as a record, number one. And number two, how is it you still find weird, stupid rules to attach to these freaking nobody else is attempting this record? I don't know. Most tennis balls held in one hand. This one's top 26. In one hand? Yeah, one hand. Yeah. And, no, that... Must be placed one at a time with a spare hand. All must remain in place for a minimum of five seconds. Never, never. All right. That's most circles around the leg with a basketball in 30 seconds. 68. Damn. That's less than one a second. You're, you got no chance at that one. No. Fastest time to type the alphabet backwards on an iPad. Two seconds. No. I'm, I'm still kind of like, where's the W? <laughs> Most leapfrog jumps in 30 seconds by a team of two. We could do this 32. That that would be fun to try. That <laughs> is. Fastest time to drink 500 milliliters of water, 2.35 seconds. I think I could do that. Okay. Well, we, we can try that out. Most saltine crackers eaten in one minute, 10. But I'm guessing it's like no water and it's yeah. down in the stomach. <laughs> nah. Most times jumped into a pair of underwear in 30 seconds. Nine. 
Now we can cross it with our underroom modeling, <laughs> and it'd be perfect. Oh my god, it uh, writes itself. Most push-ups would collapse in one minute. Seventy-seven. That's really hard. <laughs> no, I've been working on push-ups, so no. Yeah. Um, fastest time to assemble Mr. Potato Head while blindfolded. Sixteen point seventeen seconds. I think you have a chance at this one. Again, now we're getting into levels where it's just like we have like bags of different ideas and you're just grabbing like five things at random and saying this is the world record I'm breaking. Yeah, but that's what's fun about it. Uh, most coins stacked in 30 seconds, 51. Hmm. And you got to do them one at a time. Like, do I get to pick the coins? Like if it's a dime, that'd be too hard. Okay. Only one hand can be used. Um, hmm, no. Last two, fastest time to put on a double duvet cover. Um, I don't I, even know what that is, so no. That's the cover that goes on a comforter on your bed. Um, it goes on the top of the blanket. It's like impossible to do. 26 seconds. All yeah. right. Last one. Most marshmallows eaten in one minute. 25. It Must sounds be. doable, but I've always heard like marshmallows is the one thing you can't get a Heimlich on. So no, I won't That'd try. Be great if if you died that way. So which which one would you think you you had a possibility of breaking? If I had to pick one, I probably tried the post its one. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that one. It seems like the most reasonable one. Yeah. So okay, yeah. so that's we'll, my lifelong goal. So yeah. either we'll have the longest podcast or posted face record suit. So no problem. Why not both? Like that's how we end the the forty hour podcast. We just shove post-its all in their face and then fall asleep that's it all right mike what do we got well scott it's our usually new year annual tradition to play our little march madness celebrity death game we call god complex yeah uh, for those who don't know generally every year what we do is we make of uh march madness brackets of all the celebrities that died in the previous year and scott has to make the decision of whom he's going to bring back to life, whether it's so he was really um, into the person, whether he just thinks it would be a funny guest to have on, whatever reason he comes up with, Scott's going to decide which one's advance, and then the last one will be back to life. So why is it so late this year? Usually that's our first bit of the, uh, the new year. It's almost February. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Funny thing happened on the way to the podcast. Uh, we recorded this. It was actually our first episode of the year. What was that? Three weeks ago, Scott? Two or it three was weeks right ago? right after the new year. And then we like, ended up not putting it on an episode that week because it got screwed up. Yeah. So um, uh, Scott was having some issues on his side with uh, the board. He was unable to hear of his headsets, uh, some of the voices, his own so he was having a real tough time. So the decision was made, let's record on my side. Mm -hmm. Now with Zoom, you, I hit the re record button and I get this message that goes, it's gotta be approved to record. Scott approves it. My natural thought is, hey, I'm recording. Yep. So we went through our entire brackets, which I still got saved what Scott's choices were. So we'll bring up his initial winners of final four and so forth but uh we end the nights probably about 11 it's a late night with tons of problems tons of issues yes yeah. and scott's like all right burlu let's uh 
let's close this out. Let's uh, get the audio compressed and all that, and you send it over to me. So before he hangs up, I look over, and I'm seeing the options. It's like, record episode. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so apparently after the host agrees to you recording, you still have to go back and say, start recording. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we just had a moment where literally we were both dead tired, but we both probably laughed in sadness and hilarity for about 15 minutes before we went to bed and just like, all right, try again next week. Yeah, we've, we've done this long enough where we've had many of things go wrong, many of things lost, many of things re-recorded. Uh, sound issues, sound issues on the end of the guests, our issues, internet problems, you name it. So I think we've come to a point where, you know, we don't fret too much when something happens. It is kind of what it is. But uh, Mike, real quick, do you have some of the previous winners for, for guests who can, we've been doing this quite a while now. So yeah, this will be know our... who has won the tournament. Yeah, well, this is our eighth year of doing this. Some of the greats that have come back, thanks to Scott, are Pele over Ray Liotta. Uh, 2021, he brought back DMX instead of Norm MacDonald. I stand uh, by it. Uh, 2020, uh, Little Richard was brought back instead of Diego Mardona. Uh, 2019, I would have to listen to the entire brackets because we got a little weird because Mean Gene Okerlund was brought back. <laughs> And he, the finalist was him and Peter Mayhew, who is Chewbacca, yeah, the original yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was going through something that year. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 2018 was Anthony Bourdain over Burt Reynolds. 2017 was Tom Petty over Prince. And in our original brackets, we brought back astronaut John Glenn instead of Kimbo Slice. I feel that's the one we always regret. Yeah, I got to say that. The big powerhouse one, though, to me, see, Tom Petty versus Prince is still a huge. That's number one versus one. Like that is a mon. A lot of people would probably uh, pick Prince, but Tom Petty was like a. I listened to a lot of Petty when I was younger. So yeah, if uh, I recall that year, it was like a really. I I, I guess you could weirdly say a down year for celebrity deaths. So mm -hmm. it was just the brackets were so bare. Just by rule, they came together because there was no other options there. Yeah, and I will say, every year I've done this, there's usually one that I think might get to the the end, but somehow along with the matchups or just what I'm feeling or who who they end up with, um, it never seems to end the way I think. So I just go with a train of thought, and we're going to see what, what happens here. Now, Mike, we recorded this already. Um, how is this different than the one we're recording because that would be strange to just do it the same way because i don't have to really act for the people and i don't think i could do that yeah so generally what we do is we break up the brackets into groups so we have like the tv movie slash actor group we have the sports group we have the music group and then kind of like the other so to make sure we don't have like the same matchups and act like oh this is such a surprise i took all original 32 uh celebrities i gave them a number i went through random generator and whatever ones were selected i just start picking them out 
and putting them in the category. So we're going to get some weird matchups in right. one, and I think we're going to see some people advance way further than they did in the original recording, Scott. Okay, let's do it. All right. Uh, since you have no idea of the groups, I'm just going to start eight, go A, B, C, D. So group A we're going to start with. Uh, one of the original, the first female on Supreme Court, Sandra Day O'Connor, Versus uh, Whack Packer, Howard Stern, intern, <laughs> Ralph Cirilla. All right. Well, you know, I watched a little bit of Stern back in the day. And I remember when it was on, what, E? Maybe when I was mm-hmm. in, like, high school-ish. And it was kind of scandalous. And sexy girls would be on there every once in a while. But I never, like, dove into I appreciated him as an interviewer and, like, what he did for radio. But... I think there would be huge outrage if someone found out I did not get the first woman on the Supreme Court and I chose Howard Stern's. You don't understand. He cut Howard's hair. So in this one, this seems like a a Duke versus Monmouth, Monmouth County, Monmouth College here in um, New Jersey. So I got to go with Sandra Day O'Connor. Okay. uh, Stunt person, Robbie Knievel. Versus Paulie from Rocky, Burt Young. <laughs> that's a tough one, actually. That's that's an mm-hmm. interesting one. Um, Robbie Knievel was always someone I thought would be on this show at some point. I, I remember looking. Times. I remember even looking into him, trying to email, trying to gun. Con- I remember his <laughs> website being really bad. <laughs> um, and then who doesn't love Rocky? Get Paulie on. Um, <sighs> this is actually a tough first round, uh, first round matchup here. Um, I think for the stat of like iconic figures, um, this isn't this isn't evil Knievel. This is his son. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get Paulie from Rocky, I think it would be pretty cool. So I think I'm going to go Paulie on this one, actually. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised by that one. Okay. I am too, honestly. But you, okay. Like if I told you I had Robbie Knievel, I would be like, that's really cool. But if I sent like everyone, including like my dad's age, my uncles and aunts and stuff, and said we had Paulie on, I think people would be pretty stoked to hear that or think that that was pretty cool because i i feel like he wouldn't be very available so yeah all right i feel that all right legendary college coach bobby knight (laughs) versus 90s pop singer sinead o'connor that's a big matchup too um sinead o'connor not because i'm like a fan of her music really you know just a couple songs that people know but she was like a very um, vocal figure in like Irish politics and, and women's rights and like anti gut. She did a lot of like publicity stuns. She sang for Conor McGregor when he came out, which would be a really cool talking point. Um, hmm. But I think I got to go the other way. I think I got to go the other way um, just because of. I don't know. I think that the reach would be bigger on option one. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with them. Bobby Knight. Gotcha. 
All right, final one from Grouping A, uh, TV Minister Pat Robertson versus Friends Matthew Perry. See, I don't think this is much of a matchup here. Um, now I'm not Mr. Friends. I know a lot of people really love that show. I caught my decent amount of episodes when it used to like follow Seinfeld on like Fox or like um, Channel 11 or whatever. But the pastor guy... I don't know much about him, really. Like, I know his face. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. know really much else about him. Matthew Perry, like, he just he just died, and like it was a big blow for everyone. So, like, I think I gotta, I think I gotta bring Matthew Perry back. Okay, now we're done with Group A. So, starting with Group B, interesting. Seventies uh, uh, TV star, actually nineties TV star, Thigh Master, Suzanne Summers. Versus jazz pop singer Tony Bennett. Oof. Suzanne Summers versus Tony Bennett. Tough one here. Yeah. Two household names. Um, you know, Tony Bennett, Rat Pack, uh, you know, crooner, singer. And then Suzanne Summers, who doesn't love Suzanne Summers, you know, and all these shows growing up. Um I think at this point. Ooh, I think it'd be really cool to talk to someone with Rat Pack connections. Um, I think he would provide a, a very interesting story. He might be a little bit more personable on the podcast. I bet you he has some crazy stories where Suzanne always seemed kind of nice and wholesome. I don't really know much about her background, but I think I'm going to take Tony Bennett on this one. All right. One of the original sex symbols on in movies, Vince Raquel, what? Oh. <laughs> Raquel Welch mm -hmm. versus television producer legend, All in the Family, Jefferson's Maud, Norman Lear. Hmm. I think now I don't I will openly admit I don't know much about either one of them. I know who they are. I know Raquel Welch pictures of her i know she was like very sexy you know um norman lear i know the name i don't know much beyond that um so i just think now in the gun complex game i don't know if we've ever discussed this but can i bring her back at any age like can i bring her back in mm. her hot prime or is she just coming back kind of old I mean, you are God in this situation, so I guess you can manipulate uh, the time there. All right, I'm going to bring the the hot, sexy Raquel Welsh back. Why, why not? Gotcha. Okay, I mean, that's a new twi new wrinkle in the game I never even thought of. Can I bring yeah. them back at any point of their life, mm. or do I bring back some old geezer and then he just dies six months after that? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is when I. Saw this matchup come up. I think this is going to be a tough one for you. Yeah. I mean, Tim McCarver. Yeah. Baseball player, announcer versus Richard Roundtree, Shaft. This is a, this is a tough one because mm -hmm. Tim McCarver, like I, when we originally recorded, I was saying, was kind of a voice when I was growing up because I watched so many Mets games. I was obsessed with baseball. He did a ton of Mets games. He was kind of the voice of the Mets for a while. But then, you imagine me like posting a picture online 
and being like, I brought Shaft back, and me and him, like, arm in arm. Mm-hmm. Like, me and Shaft. And you Ooh. can bring Prime Shaft back. Oh, Prime Shaft. <laughs> Which is your nickname in college. Oh, of course, um, man. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I'm going to bring Prime Shaft. Bring old Prime Shaft right in, right in those black exploitation era movies. Bring Shaft back for me. Shaft. Okay. And the final one of this bracket, uh, legendary linebacker, football Hall of Famer, Dick Buckus versus legendary musician, Hall of Famer, Crosby, Stills, and Natch, David Crosby. Wow. That's a tough matchup because those are two guys I would 100% love to, to chat with. The bracket and, was hard. Yeah. In so many different ways, like Crosby, mm-hmm. Stills, and Nash, David Crosby's like, regarded one of the best musicians folk kind of musicians ever but like dick buckus i swear to god i heard my nephew who is eight joking around with his friends about the name dick buckus the other day mm-hmm. this is an eight-year-old he 40 years you know away from dick buckus even being relevant six never die yeah i think i'm going with dick buckus in the Bears, I'm going to bring Dick Buckus back. Okay, yeah, that, that was, was a, a tough bracket. That's a I very kind of like. I kind of like the mixed brackets because it, yeah. you know, my mind has to, you know, toss between two different categories at once. Yeah. Never mind just two Hall of Famers in one category. You're getting these late round matchups early on, and it's throwing you off a little bit. Yeah, seems. and if it's like actors, I might go with just like a movie mm-hmm. I like better. But if it's an actor versus a musician or something like that, then I got to really think about which one meant more. Yeah, okay. Okay. So let's start off Group C with uh, Orioles legend Brooks Robinson mm-hmm. versus wrestling champion Hall of Famer, the Iron Sheik. I think this one's kind of easy, actually. Um, Brooks Robinson would be really, really fun to talk to, obviously. But maybe one-dimensional. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know a ton about his background either. But the Iron Sheik is a a straight-up lunatic. Um, Entertained people arguably more after his career was over than he he did during it. Um, Nobody wanted to hear him during his wrestling career. (laughs) Now everybody's like, yes, Sheiky, go, go. (laughs) Talk yeah. about Hulk Hogan. Yeah, like him telling me he's going to bend me over and, and bang me in the ass. Like, <laughs> I would love every second of that. Not the act. That's why I loved him. him this is Mr. Man. Yeah. He also was involved. <laughs> you, you should see the toy named after him. Um, <laughs> I'll go with the Iron Sheik. <laughs> the camel clutch toy w- would be probably amazing. I would oh, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Hockey Hall of Famer Bobby Hall. Versus Canadian folk singer Gordon Lightfoot. Ooh, this is a big matchup in Can and our friends to the north. Mm-hmm. Um, I will openly admit I don't know a ton about Gordon Lightfoot. I know very um, popular folk musician. I know a couple of his songs, um, but I was a hockey diehard at one part of my life for a long time. So I'm going to go with uh, Bobby Hall on this one. Okay, uh, comedian and actor Richard Belzer. Versus uh, daytime talk show host Jerry Springer. <laughs> to me, this is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Richard. Like you just didn't do enough for me to not want to talk to Jerry Springer. 
like never mind interviewing, just even having a conversation with that guy privately has to be really interesting. Was he a nice guy? Was he did he love the craziness of that? He also had like a political stint. Like he, he's got to be a really interesting guy to talk to. So Jerry, all the way. Okay, and uh, finally in bracket C, we have former First Lady Rosalind Carter versus NFL Hall of Famer uh, actor Jim Brown. How are you going to put a First Lady against Jim Brown? This is hey, tough this is how the numbers go, okay? <laughs> um, when Belzer versus Springer came up, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> oh, man. There's a lot of great athletes out there. But there's only how many living first ladies, right? There's probably like five, Six. three or four. Let's see. From Barb. Barbara. Barbara's dead, right? She died. Yeah. So Michelle Obama, Joe Ivanka, Hillary. I think one more. George W.'s wife is still alive, right? I think she is. And then so three or four, something yeah. like that. So it's like, okay, Jim Brown, one of the most influential African-American athletes of all time, versus one of the very, very, very few people in the group of first ladies that you'd ever get to talk to. So that mm -hmm. this makes it interesting, more interesting than I thought, even when you said this, now that I'm thinking about it. But you know what? But then again, like, I don't know. I saw interviews with Jim Brown, and he was kind of like Bill Belichicky. He kind of deflected mm -hmm. everything. He was very like mm, mm. douchey. Yeah, like kind of didn't want an answer. Mm. Man, I feel like I'm going to get barbecued for either one of these answers. Um, now, also remember the angle we brought up. Like you can get him when he was younger and angrier and wanted to speak <laughs> out more. That's true. Well, that, I also don't want super old, crusty <laughs> Carter either there. <laughs> Like, I don't want dementia, Carter. I want to talk to her in her prime. Um, <laughs> How's your husband in hospice? Yeah. Um, I'll take Jim Brown, I guess. I'm going to take mm. Jim Brown. You had to Although, think on that one. It, it made me think, once I started to bring up the first lady idea, that the fact that there's only like four of them on earth that we could talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and now one's dead again. Like we just lost one because I didn't bring her back. Now there's only huh? a couple be, to talk to. Hey, and I, playing God is hard. What can I tell you? And I called her Ivanka. I met Melania. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't really want to talk to her. She's kind of boring. Michelle yeah. Obama would be fun. Um, Bush is wife, a coin flip. But yeah, well, Hillary would be fun because everyone would tune in. Mm. You know, her corrupt ass talk. Um, yeah, all right. Well, I might have blew that one, honestly, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right, bracket D, we're almost done here. Um, I'm about ready to type in the answer before I even <laughs> give you the brackets, but I will tell you the matchup. You might, uh, be, I'm feeling different than the last time, so okay. All right, so we have former lead singer of Smash Mouth, Steve Harwell, versus uh, another kind of relatively decent female singer that some of you may have heard of her. Her name was uh, Tina Turner. So I have to compare the lead singer of Smash Mouth to Tina yeah. Turner. Yeah, like look at the Tina Turner cat, uh, cat catalog of songs. Yeah, yeah. But just remember, hey, now you're an all-star. 
get your game on. Ironically enough, a couple years ago, I had Smash Mouth almost scheduled on with their new singer. Um, they were supposed to come on and just never came to fruition. But um, this is a no-brainer. Tina Turner is like all-time, like, you know, women in rock and roll. So 100% Tina Turner. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Buffett, Mr. Margaritaville versus Mr. Morning Game Show. Oh, man. The legendary Bob Barker. Now, this is interesting. This is where we should reveal to the audience who won the bracket last time. Um, mm -hmm. recorded. Uh, Bob Barker went on a run last time, to my surprise, to win the whole tournament. But he just, I, I don't know, he got the benefit of the matchups, and I thought it would be really mm -hmm. cool to talk to him. But he was not matched up against Jimmy Buffett. Now, I am not. You know, I, I will jam to you put cheeseburger in paradise on at a barbecue. I'm singing. Of course. It's mandatory. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated by the Buffett. Um, what do they call them? Birdheads or something like that? Or the fan group or whatever the hell it is. They're always sunny. Did a whole episode on and kind of. Um, I'm fascinated by the culture of Jimmy Buffett. But Bob Barker was a staple. When we were younger, oh, parrotheads, yeah, parrotheads. Um, Bob Barker was a staple for any kid who ever stayed home from school. Had a little tummy ache. You had your Gatorade that your mom gave you. She probably went to work or, or did something and said, "You'll be okay," you know, like. And you put on Prices Right, or you faked you faked that you were sick, and you still put on Prices Right. Mm -hmm. Ooh, this is a tough one. Um. I'm going to go Bob Barker on this one. Mm. Winner of the last tournament, but... Oh, man, Jimmy Buffett's huge, too. Like, the whole Margaritaville movement. But, yeah, I'll go Bob Barker. I'll go with my gut, because I think I have more connection to Bob Barker than I do Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Elvis's daughter, Michael Jackson's ex, Lisa Marie Presley, mm -hmm. versus... Uh, some guy who had a Saturday morning cartoon show known as Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. Now, Presley would be fascinating to talk to just based on her dad and her, <laughs> her husband, like two of the all-time biggest names in music ever. Mm -hmm. Um. Although interviewing her might be a little weird because I feel like the questions would be more about them. Everybody else except her. Except her. But how do I not bring Pee Wee back for a little bit? Now, I know he has a little bit of a checkered checkered past, you know, in movie theaters and whatnot, but um, I'm going to bring Paul Rubens back. All right. And finally, to end the first round, Calypso music artist Harry Belafonte Versus NASCAR champion Kale Yarborough. Um, do I have to pick one in this category? Yeah, uh, this is the <laughs> this is what is left, and somebody has to go to the second round to lose to Pee Wee Herman. You know what, buddy? I would do it for you. I would. Do, oh. You know what? Like, I would be like, you know what? I don't know much about this guy. I've heard his name before. 
But I know Mike would die to talk to this guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna Scott, he was on yeah. an episode of the Dukes of Hazard, just to let you know. Well, there you go. Two tie-ins to you. There was this would yeah. be my gift for your 50th birthday. I'd bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like his chances in the next round. All right. Scott, as we've done with the first round, any comments on shock or kind of feel uh, like status quo? A couple were harder than I thought they would be. Um, and as I was talking, I was kind of changing my mind. Um, surprisingly, I think the the Carter uh, matchup was maybe the hardest one just for like wow. the rarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Buffett-Barker matchup was really, really tough because I, I would find them fascinating to talk to both of them. I would have been shocked if the real winner would have been eliminated in the first round. It was close. It was really close. Now, is there anything that you picked up on that was hard or difficult or surprise answer from myself? Um, I thought you would have brought Crosby instead of Buckus. I thought that... Um. Uh, I think I was a little surprised with uh, Tony Bennett over Suzanne Summers, but I understand your rationale for it. Uh, yeah, I think bracket B is just like a murderer's row of, man, These some of these should be going further and they're going to get eliminated early where yeah, so maybe yeah. we'll start be mixing them up instead of categories next Ma- year. Imagine in the afterlife, like somehow you tapped into something and this – was a possibility and they're all huddled around like waiting for their chance and they're like god damn it this douchebag guy from new jersey just killed me again <laughs> like i had a chance at going back i mean his rationale was that he never heard of me <laughs> you know? i just like how harry yeah. belafonte and kill Yarbo just looking at each other why did we even show up for yeah, this? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know what's happening here <laughs> all, right. all right let's do it round two uh, group A, Sandra Day O'Connor versus Pauly, a.k.a. Burt Young. Ooh. Again, this is one I feel like, if I don't choose the right answer, people will be like, are you kidding me? The first mm-hmm. female Supreme Court justice? But would she give a good interview? I don't know. Was she a little stiff around the edge? A little mm-hmm. rougher on the edges? I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know much about Paulie other than being Paulie. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he did a lot of other things, but I can't recall many of them. Mm. Um, I think I'm going to go with the right answer here. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the moral code and I'm going to take Sandra Day O'Connor over Uncle Paulie. Um, Ooh. you know, what? Supreme Court justice again, we're, we're talking into very small ter- percentage territory of ever getting to talk to one of them. So, I will go with that. All right. The other thing would be like, is she even allowed to talk about half the things she's done? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if we're bringing back to life, I mean, I feel like we're allowed to force her stuff, you know. But I don't want recognized Sandra Day O'Connor. I want like she's in college figuring her life out, mm-hmm. <laughs> some random stage of her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Bobby Knight. Versus Matthew Perry. Big matchup here. Oof. Mm. Um, Matthew Perry meant a lot to a lot of people. Bobby Knight, one of the all-time greatest sports figures um, for his anger and whatnot. Although, like, 
in interviews, I didn't think he was ever like super rah rah, but he was just like more that guy in the court. But I'm gonna go with him. I'm gonna think that you know what we're gonna we're gonna find something something good here to talk to him about. So I'm gonna eliminate Matthew Perry. He just was never my guy. I know he was a lot of people's guy. He was just not my guy. Okay. If you were telling me like George Costanza or Lane, those are my people growing up. Yeah. Those are, those are my friends growing up. So, hmm. all right, going to bracket B, we have Tony Bennett versus Raquel Welch. All right. So once again, I don't really know what Raquel Welch did too much. I know she was super attractive, but how do I eliminate Tony Bennett? Um, you know, Rat Pack kind of guy who was sang with everybody, was still relevant towards his death, like still made music. I think he put out music with like Lady Gaga at one point. Uh, I'll take Tony Bennett on this one. All right. Sorry, Raquel. And in the other matchup, Richard Roundtree, Shaft <laughs> versus Dick Buckus. Oh, man. Battle of cool. Mm. <laughs> Battle of cool guys. Um I still, in my head, are thinking about that picture with Shaft. Like, you know, there's very big few. Fro. Yeah, big fro, just cool. Bell like, bottoms. Like, there's very few people I would, I would like, geek over. Not even geek because I'm a fan, but just, like, the rarity of it. It's like when we saw Bill Nye at a concert we went through this podcast. He was one of the few people I felt like, you know what, this is my one chance to get a picture of Bill Nye. And it's a terrible picture of the two of us, but I still love it and the fact that it happened. So I'm going to go with Shaft on this one. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dick. these matchups. Yeah. All right. Going over to C, we have the Iron Sheik <laughs> versus Bobby Hull. Again, I don't, I don't know if Bobby Hull was really that interesting other than being a great hockey player. But the Sheik, I feel like it might be a Lenny Dykstra-type interview where I don't really need to do anything, and he'll just entertain don't, us the entire time. I'm yeah. going Iron Sheik, maybe. Bring okay. him back. And the other one, Jerry Springer versus Jim Brown. So I'm going to go with my gut here and my, my um, rationale from the first round. Jim Brown... I didn't find him that exciting in interviews. I know how much he meant to people and, and he, he meant to a movement. But how do I turn down the opportunity to not talk to Jerry Springer on some of the crazy things that happened in his life or on that show? I'm going Jerry Springer. Jim Brown's gone. Okay. And then finally, in grouping D, monster matchup, Tina Turner versus Bob Barker. Tina versus Bob. Okay. All right. Let's think this one through. Let's think this one through. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the all-time biggest pop stars of all time. Um, she seemed like she had a lot of spunk. And yeah, Bob Barker, more of the laid-back gentleman who entertained you for decades. Um, Who would people react to more that we talked to or that I met? Mm -hmm. Tina Turner or Bob Barker? That's actually a coin flip, really. Yeah. Which photo would blow people's minds more? Like, hey, mm. just hanging out with Bob, or hey, just hanging out with my friend Tina. Um, I don't have an answer. Um, 
Okay. Well, while you're thinking, uh, does Kale Yarbrough beat Pee Wee Herman? Out of curiosity. No, no, I'll get rid of. Uh, all right, He's I'll. Do, all done. right, we don't need to spend time on that one. So keep thinking on Tina Turner versus Bob Barker. Winner faces right. Herman. I think for the portfolio of work, Bob. I know you neutered a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, big into neuter, big neuter guy. Um, yeah. And Happy Gilmore, don't forget that. Of course, Happy Gilmore. But Tina has songs that I think my children might know twenty years from now because they'll still be relevant. I think this is where Bob Barker meets his demise. I think wow. I'm gonna choose, I think I'm going to choose Tina Turner. Wow, the former the. The guy who had the slot just the got paper, eliminated. The paper champ. The paper champ. Yeah. Um, he almost got left out in the first round. My God. This is what we... you're saying. It's not really a, a a thing. It just comes down to matchups. Mm-hmm. All right, Scott. Now we're getting the champions of each bracket right now with these four matchups. So I will tell also me. say, as of right now, I could honestly say I, I'm not leaning towards one person right now. I'm kind of... Mm. When you mix the brackets up like this, it's kind of also harder to remember. Like, okay, I know my sports guy is going to win. I know my music guy. Now I'm like, okay, I kind of forget who's matching up against each other. So kind of mm. like this format better, honestly. Uh, okay. Here we go. Who is leaving bracket A? Is it Sandra Day O'Connor or is it Bobby Knight? Um, Let's go. Let's go, Bobby Knight. Um, I know more about him. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, I know I'm a buffoon that doesn't even know enough to probably talk to her, or my interview would be very like, so how'd you get your start-in-law? And like, Did you like Roe or Wade? Yeah. Tell me what you know. Tell me your writing style. Like, how do you uh, write? She'd be like, I'm can not you give musician. me all this traffic ticket? Yeah, yeah. Bobby Knight. Okay. Champion of... Bracket B, is it Tony Bennett or is it Richard Roundtree? Oh, man. Here we go. We have a matchup of two cool guys right here. Mm-hmm. Two slick, mm. slick guys. Like, um, you're not going to have a bad time hanging out with them at a bar. I don't think so. I don't think Tony Bennett had a bad reputation. and Not at all. I don't know much about Shaft um, other than him being super cool all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when they say he's a bad mother, and then I had to shut my mouth. Yeah, shut your mouth. Um, shut hmm. I think I think I'm gonna get rid of Mr. Anthony Bennett here. I think I'm gonna let Shaft go one more get through. Wow. I think I'm gonna get Shaft, let Shaft go through. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be cool to talk to him. Mm. Who's leaving bracket C, Scott? Is it the Iron Sheik or Jerry Springer? Oh, my goodness. Madness um, either way. I think here where <laughs> the comprehension of this person only goes so far. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure the Iron Sheik knew where he was for the last 20 years of his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Jerry always seemed pretty with it as far as interviews and hosting. I think the Iron Sheik meets his demise right now, and I'm going to go with Jerry Springer. 
Okay. And the for bracket D is it Tina Turner or Pee Wee Herman? Tina versus Pee Wee. Tina versus Pee Wee. I think Paul Rubens was was good. Tina Turner is obviously a legend in her own right. Um I think I'm going to eliminate Paul Rubens here and keep Tina in the tournament. All right, Scott. So our final four is Bobby Knight, Richard Roundtree, Jerry Springer, and Tina Turner. How are you feeling about this? I feel good. I I like all four of those picks, honestly. Um, I can make an argument for all four. So that's a good final four when I get when I you know, I think I'm leaning towards one person, but Sometimes I talk this out and it changes. So let's see. Let's see. All right. Is it going to be Bobby Knight or Richard Roundtree? This is where I think I think Shaft's time is coming to an end here. Wow. I'm a little yeah. surprised by that. I know he was the hot pick flying through the tournament. Um I think Bobby Knight would be an all-time get. Um, and I would argue that more people know who Bobby Knight is than Shaft. Um, mm. Like, I think Shaft is losing his recognition. You know, it, it was a cool thing in a certain era. Whereas Bobby Knight, I think you're still going to see him on, like, greatest college coaches of all time, like documentaries and very interesting, you know. He's going to be a throwback now because you can't even do any of the things he does anymore because um, athletes are – it's a it's a different era of athlete where they have to be, like, best friends with them. Uh, I'm going to go with Bobby Knight. All right. And who will Bobby be facing in the championship? Is it Jerry Springer or Tina Turner? Yeah, this is – when you said the final four, this was, I think, the tougher of the sides. Mm -hmm. Um Here's the thing. Tina Turner is known, obviously, for her music, household name. Jerry Springer, it's like a lesser tier than Tina Turner. I feel like people hold Tina Turner in high regard as far as a rock. But, you know, Jerry Springer is like, oh, the trashy TV show guy. But who would I want to be in a room with? Like, who would I want to talk to and find some interesting stories or hear stories of I mean Tina Turner also had a pretty tragic you know pretty rough life mm -hmm. um, I feel like Jerry might be a little bit more fun to hang out with um, I think I'm going to take Jerry Springer here and get rid of Tina Turner I'm sorry Tina I really wanted you to make it but I don't know Jerry seems like a guy that I really love to interview so with our final, mm -hmm. one of them was in the finals of our original bracket, sure. which was Jerry Springer. Yep. For the record, Bobby Knight only won one matchup yep. and then got eliminated by Jim Brown in yep. our other bracket. Yep. So this is really surprising here. But, Scott, who's coming back? Is it Bobby Knight or Jerry Springer? I feel like 
there's dimensions to a person, right? There's more stories to people sometimes than just what they do, right? Like Bobby Knight, I don't know how much I would ask him outside of basketball. You know, like that's his life. When a, Jerry Springer, I feel like there's a little bit more on the bone to really dive into where we could bounce mm-hmm. around and talk about the show, talk about his his life. I think I think he was a journalist at some point too or, yeah. or not, but there's a little bit more meat on the bone for like a more wild type of interview, like all over the place where Bobby Knight, I also feel like Bobby Knight has probably been asked every question about basketball and coaching ever where yeah. it might be like, oh, yeah, I've had he might get frustrated and just be like, oh, whatever. Whereas like if me and you were sitting down and saying we had Jerry Springer on next week, I feel, and we had him for like a small time. Of, I feel like we would work on that interview and say, like, what do we want to ask this guy? So yeah. I think I have to get rid of Bobby Knight and go with Jerry Springer as the winner of this year's tournament. Wow. It's been an amazing tournament. Oh, I will document Bob Berker originally, <laughs> but now Jerry Springer is in the official spot. If, like, Jerry Springer comes back and we find out he's, like, the next Hitler, we can always send him back <laughs> and bring in Bob Barker as a replacement, <laughs> so... Although interviewing Hitler would be that happened a while ago, Scott. We weren't doing brackets that year. Sorry. Disappeared. Let me know when you're back. Okay. Hello? Check. Yeah, try it again. Oh. There you go. Now you're back. Although interviewing Hitler would be quite a interesting episode to put out after like laser. Yeah, well, that and the fact that you're gonna get young Hitler on the show, so I'll be really like his cool inception of the whole idea. So Yeah, like what if what if like him coming on this show would change him? And yeah. we, could, we could alter time. Yeah, because we're not the perfect blonde hair, blue eyed spectrum of what he envisioned. He, he, he would definitely be recruiting us if, if he came on the podcast. He would try to get like, oh, you guys are above six foot. You're white. You're, you know. Yeah, we begin emails afterwards and also, what are you doing later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put camera in your toilet. I want you to be a soldier. Um, then he'd be like, wait a minute, Berlu, what did you marry? And then that'd be over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, is there anything that, like, any big shocks to you or, or things you were upset by, things that you you would have, or who you would have had in the finals if you had a choice? Like, going through these, um, honestly, I like the Mayhem, so I probably would have got Iron Sheik to the finals, maybe not selected him, uh-huh. but... Uh, Something about the pure comedy where we could talk about wrestling and how he became a phenomena after wrestling would have been interesting to me. Sure. Um, we could have found some dirt on Vince probably from through Iron Sheik. Oh, I know. Vince yep. did some crazy <laughs> stuff with the Iron Sheik. There's uh-huh. no possibility that didn't happen. Um, 
Imagine the yeah. sheik, the sheik sex toy, that big thing he used to twirl around. <laughs> that was I that spent was, on your private parts. It, that, that wasn't a weight. That was just the sex toy itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, Tony Pennant going a little longer than I expected. Um, Richard Roundtree. He, I don't even think he advanced at all at any point in our original one. Let me. Look at the original brackets. Uh, well, actually, shockingly, he eliminated P.Y. Herman in the first round. They got eliminated by Matthew Perry, of all people. So. There you go. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's the way the tournament goes. Mm. Um, so As long as we record it. Yeah. Congratulations. To, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to Jerry Springer. You live one more day to do a little bit more in media, um, but you have joined a a great panel um, that you are now part of forever. So, Mike, it's time to go. Anything to promote before we roll out of here? I'm going to give two shout-outs to former two guests. Shout outs. Two shout-outs. Whoa. Uh, yep. One is to uh, NASCAR driver Kaz Grala. Got announced that he is going to be attempting the Daytona 500, along with getting a ride with Rick Ware Racing in the Cup Series. That's a pretty big deal. He hasn't Way been go, Kaz. close to full full-time in the Cup Series in quite a while, so good for him. I know I've been working See, you hard. you could have put Kaz Grella against that other guy, and I would have picked Kaz because I would have had more... Re- I don't know the other guy. Yeah, but Kaz was not on Dukes of Hazard, Scott. What's wrong with care. you? I don't care. I don't care. Not everyone that, bases Scott, their life around who was on Dukes of Hazard. Scott, I know it's late, and I'm going to look past you saying nobody cares about Dukes of Hazard. I'm going I'm to hold it in. There is like 11 of you left. Yes. Yeah, I'm giving you the official warning. I'm just telling you. Um, the other shout out is uh, everyone, make sure on Mondays that you're either watching or DVRing at 8 o'clock, America's Most Wanted. It is back on Fox. It's back. Uh, with former guests John Walsh and Callahan Walsh both uh, hosting the show. Uh, I mean, what they they brought in close to 1,300 people between that show and uh uh, pursuit with John Walsh, the other show they were promoting when they were on here, and also a big shout out to them. I'm glad that they're doing good, and it's kind of nostalgic to see them back on the and best. helping Gus get criminals off the streets. It's the best. It's arguably my favorite episode of the podcast in all of the catalog. Um, having John Walsh on and and his son Callahan, they were doing a show. I forget what network it was on. Maybe Discovery. I don't know. But they were doing a show called In Pursuit, but America's Most Wanted is back. Um, it is definitely in my Mount Rushmore of episodes of the podcast. I don't remember what episode it was, uh, but it was um, it was kind of one of... There's been few moments in this show that were like unbelievable. Like, is this who we're actually talking to? Um, and yes, and, and it was that good, and the interview was fantastic, so... Uh, side fact, it's the one guess where my wife is begging if he ever's back on to get to ask him questions. And be like, my husband scares me. Um, <laughs> can you help prevent this before I yeah. die? And I'll be like, wait till we get back. And all. I'm, I'm going to Vince McMahon you so bad <laughs> when we get back to that bedroom. Do you want to see Psycho Sid? Do you want to see it? <laughs> um, <laughs> you won't be able to walk afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'll quickly promote I'm doing the Polar Bear Plunge for Special Olympics um, in three or four weeks. It's on February 20, uh, whatever that weekend is, 24th, I think. Um, 
It is the largest fundraiser for the Special Olympics, a cause near and dear to my heart. Uh, me and my family all go out there every year and raise money. Um, in the past, we've raised, there's been years where we've raised over $8,000. Um, and it is the one of the few charities, supposedly, that is very transparent. Um, it goes all to the cause of Special Olympics. Go on um, Polar Bear Plunge and Jay. Um, dot org if you look up frozen clovers that's my team if not just donate to the cause um it is a great cause and something that i have a lot of fun with every single year so guys that is it we will be back with our wrap-up of the gladiators uh expose if you will and someone will be singing the national anthem right now it's me but i'm a comeback kid um i i perform way better in the late rounds i'm uh, you know hopefully going to take mike down because there's nothing better in my head than mike singing the national mm -hmm. anthem so i am determined we are working on that that'll come out next week other yeah, than that, bob barker is... thought the same thing and look what happened in this round <laughs> other than that guys this has been a really fun episode life is funny laugh at it keep the wind at your back and if you want to donate your bodily fluids for our next contest please contact scott brennan in Denville, new jersey